Uh, okay, well, I'm, I, I, I'm really thinking that you should really give LA a chance. I think that the people are nice here, especially if you, if you avoid the mean parts, you will be fine. And West Hollywood, it, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying that they will for sure be mean to you in West Hollywood. I'm just saying I feel they're the meanest gay people on the planet. <laughs> so, whereas I've only had good experiences uh, at Precinct, which is downtown, or in the east side gay bars, um, where people I think are feel generally pretty nicer here. So whenever you say people are pretty mean, what experience does that come from? I think when I was a young gay boy... And I, I think it really shaped who I was when I was 18 or 19. And I started going to the club. You know, when I, when I came out, the only thing you had were the club. I actually don't like bars. I don't like clubs. Why? I just don't. This is not my scene. But where do you go? Time, I'm going to, before you go on, where do you yeah. go? Oh, you know what? No, let me rephrase. I like bars. I don't Ooh, like okay. clubs. Okay. I get that. Okay. okay yeah. I totally get you okay, there. Okay. okay. So I like bars. I don't like clubs. So I'll go to bars, and I like gay events and doing gay things, but I don't like gay clubs. So I'm not, I'm not into the, mm, 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 mm. like, I can't, no, not happening. I would say that's sort of my thing. Uh, but anyway, when I, when, I, when I first came out and I was going to West Hollywood, it was, I don't think this would happen now, but back then it was very, very, very white. You know what's so funny is how times have changed. Because I remember being 24. What is the what is the time difference between 24 and uh, and now for you? How, how many years ago was that? 17 years ago. Okay. When I was 24, I remember that I would be on like AOL's chat room or something like that, and they would be like, "Ugh, you're too old." Because that was it was a real time when on a chat room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be talking about like, ASL, you know, age, sex, location. And I'd be like 24, and like, ugh, too old. No, it was like that at the time. It was like twinks were the thing, like 18 to 24, and I was on the high end. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow. And I'd go to West Hollywood, and I would just be ignored. I don't think – it's so funny. It's like you always see these things where it's like – what would you tell the younger version of yourself? Can I ask real quick before you finish yeah. that thought is, what was your posture like? What, would, what kind of energy were you giving off in the club that no one was really gravitating towards you? I don't know. I don't think, I, I know what you're getting at. I don't know if I had to guess, I think it would be desperate. <laughs> Someone's gonna come to you if you're putting that out, I imagine. Then I don't know what it was. Maybe it was fucking bitch or something like that. Maybe. But uh, I, I hear I get that a lot. Like I have that face whenever people go out. People either think I am a slut or taken or just a bitch. I think all three. But <laughs> but uh, I think that at the time I, I don't know. I think there I think there was a different vibe. So when I see pictures of myself back then, I was like, oh, you were a lot cuter than you thought you were, and you would do fantastic now. But what's funny is, I'll tell you this, and, and I'm saying this objectively, I'm saying this as a person who didn't sleep around with a lot of people, who didn't uh, hook up a ton when he was young, and so I'm not saying some sort of Lothario or anything like that, but every boyfriend I've ever had, every person I've ever dated has been way out of my league. So I know... I don't believe in such a thing, like well, a I'm, league, you know? No, 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 I'm not even saying that I'm ugly, in that they are objectively... 
not objectively, everything's subjective in this case, but like you, a person would say like, oh, I see why that person's very, very attractive to men and women and, and whatnot. And so uh, I've always been very lucky. I've always had very, very, very uh, physically attractive boyfriends. So like there's obviously something I'm giving off one day. I think I'm one of these, you don't look at me in a club. You don't look at me on, you know what? I'll give you a perfect example. I could never, ever, ever do Tinder. I could never do Twitter. What's the one where they did reject you? That swipe left? Tinder, yeah. I would be so... They, I would just wear a shirt that says swipe left. <laughs> because I wouldn't. But, believe it or not, on Grinder and Scruff, I don't do it anymore because it always just ends up being a mess. But when, I, when I've done Grinder and Scruff, I do very, 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 very well. I'm extremely charming, if I do say so myself. And so, um, I do very, very well. But I need that in. I need, to, I need that opening statement i need that like like i'll talk to this guy you know uh because once i get them talking then they become more interested on a date and blah 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 next step next step next step next step but on tinder they would be like Ugh. <laughs> no, child molester no i think you're not giving yourself enough credit because uh, or maybe you just don't have maybe you just hate people but I, because I've had many experiences where I have met someone that I wouldn't have swiped right uh, on Tinder and they were gorgeous in person. And so when I, after those experiences, I've told myself, give these people at least a chance to chat and get to know them uh, based on the one, their picture, their profile and, and like the initial like introduction. So yes, probably the majority might be like that, but there's also some people out there that are like, hey, let's, I, even though you might not be the you know, kind of attract, you might not be as attractive as other people think that you are, or you might not feel that way, but some people are like, hey, let's just say hi. You know what it is? I think you're lucky in that you don't live in Los Angeles. Maybe I'm not jaded yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think LA is a, there's a look, you understand something. There's no better ambassador for Los Angeles than Joe Batanz, <laughs> which is my name. But I will say one of the things I do not like and I detest about this town is how superficial it is and i don't mean just about physical looks but also about uh accomplishments what have you done what can you do for me it's a really gross town that way in a gross industry i've experienced that one time in my life where the person was more interested in what i could offer him than what than actually me yeah. um so i can't even imagine having like everyone around you like that because i would be angry i'd probably be you're right i probably would think the same way yeah and so off, like, uh, you know, uh, you and I were talking earlier about what gay bars or bars in general you should go to while you're here. And I told you to avoid West Hollywood. And it's because I had a very negative opinion of gay people before the downtown scene opened up. I'm going to tell you something. As big as L.A. is, the downtown gay scene didn't open up till about three years ago, two and a half years ago. Oh, wow. There were no gay bars downtown in L.A. And then Precinct opened up, and then a couple others pop up after that. And I went there, and I was like, oh, what is this world? <laughs> People are friendly and I'm nice. Home. And yeah, and they come in, they talk to you, and they're not, you know, cunty. And they're like, and then I just started expanding maybe they were, my horizons. Maybe they were all like tourists that you were meeting. <laughs> no, no. They were from LA. It's just, <laughs> it's just a better, it's a better vibe in uh, downtown. And that's where they do, like, for instance, I don't know how comfortable you are talking about Drag Race stuff, but uh, do you watch Dragula? So I'm actually about to uh, watch the second season. And but you've seen it. I've seen, like, p 
parts of the first season, like one part okay. of the first season. So Dragula is uh, a show produced by this drag couple called the Boulet Brothers. And it's sort of like scary drag, Elvira drag, if you will. Like, uh, and they, their show, Queen Kong, is at Precinct every Friday night. And so when they film a lot of stuff for uh, Dragula, they film it at Precinct. So it's that bar I was talking about. So it, and and actually, when I went to go see the the um, the crowning for All Stars two, the the big party where they crowned the last, they actually gave her the crown. It was at Precinct. So they do a lot oh, of stuff nice. at Precinct. And so uh, I like it. It's a good vibe. It's a very friendly vibe. You know, for 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 someone who comes from Austin, you'd be like, oh, this is just a regular bar in Austin. But for an LA in an, an LA queen like me, it's like, oh, bitch. Thank you, Jesus. I like. I love this place so much, and so I love. Uh, Wait, why do you say that about about me in Austin? Like this is just a. You know, I've actually never been to Austin. Because the night scene in Austin is horrible. The it's wh- not good. Oh really? Yeah, I just imagine it's probably it's one of the like, worst night scenes I've ever experienced in my life. That is the most surprising thing I've heard all day. Yeah. Like, I just imagine everyone talks about how cool it is. So I just imagine there's a great night scene or bar scene. Well, if we're talking about gay scene, okay. then that's a different story than the scene in general. Uh, but for the majority, like there's a, there's a few good shows here and there uh, that happen. Um, but for me, in my experience, the majority of the night scene, it for me is like one of the, on the bottom of like, if I'm going to do top 10, it's not, like, not even the list for me. Like when I came to San Francisco, I had never experienced nightlife like that before in my entire life. I was like, oh my God, I had the same feeling you had with NLA. I was like, I'm home like this is where I need to be this is where like everything's popping it was just it was just weird and also surprised me on how kind of lame for the lack of a better word Austin was has gotten because back in the day it was actually pretty legit uh it's just with the gentrification and like Mm -hmm. people getting pushed out and it's not as exciting as it once was well let me ask this question though what to you is a sign of a good nightlife well one uh good music um, and what's good music? Diverse scenes. Um, good music is like not just playing your typical house top 40. Okay. You All know, right. something yeah. with a little bit more soul and, and interesting right. and fun. And if you're going to do that and you're a DJ and if you mix it correctly, then then that's different. But if you're just pushing shuffle on a, on a iPod, that's it gets really boring. So to me, it's more like the, the music and also like the diversity. It's just like you people are not super super nice whenever i go out there they're either. not they're like nice but like i've got almost gotten in fights before like multiple times people are just getting the, the the crowd's getting younger and they're getting a little bit more ignorant and that becomes like you they're losing their manners like some people are just like i'm like dude do you think they're probably I, like a lot of entitled millennials maybe or maybe i'm just getting too old where i just can't deal with that bullshit anymore maybe it's me that's becoming that like old person that like thinks about the old days and all oh, the good old days kind of thing you know yeah. maybe it's me i don't know are you from austin originally to no raised, or where are you from uh the houston area oh, okay but we're like how many we're like 10 minutes in and i haven't even introduced you uh right, we fine. are talking to joba tance uh joba tance tell me a little bit about yourself why i want to talk to you why do i for the urge to come find you later i don't know the answer to that question <laughs> i'll tell you what uh i think you and i first started talking because you are a fan of Drag Race, and I host a podcast about RuPaul's Drag Race. And I think that was sort of the initial bonding yeah. thing. Yeah. You did us a big solid, and you did a recap of our recap show, which yeah. so thank you for that. You're welcome. And so then, but then when we get to the part where you want to interview me, I don't know. I thought, at first, for a long time, I thought it was just you wanted to get a beer. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, we're being interviewed? Okay, we're doing this? All right. So I don't know. I mean, You know what I noticed is, yeah. is that you um, kind of ignore certain messages and I think you don't quite see what I, I think you see you're like we have like selective seeing when it comes to messages because uh-huh. there was like a specific day I had said November 16th and you're like oh I thought we were doing it this Sunday I was like no <laughs> well it's funny that you say that because I talked about that on my we, we I have another podcast which it's a very small personal journal podcast called catching up where a friend and I just literally catch up and it's intentionally small we never promote it it's just very very tiny. i'm surprised you don't because i'm a recent fan and i love catching up oh you do i love it oh. i haven't listened to like the last one or two that you've uh-huh. done well um, look i always I just listen to the most recent one never go back it's never worth it but what i'll say is i talked about it on today's show and i said uh and i and i not no one's gonna go listen to the show so i'll just tell you is i talk about that and mike my, my partner on the show criticize me for that but what's funny is what you don't know is i was with a kid that i mentor and i was telling him like come on we have to hurry up we have to go do this i gotta go do this interview and he was like um okay and i go he was actually the one texting you and then you texted back oh it's next sunday i was driving and he had my phone and i go what i thought it was... and he goes <laughs> and then he like scrolled up he goes it says right here <laughs> It says, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't look at things. I know. I'm just, I'm just glancing at it. And then, and I don't know. You're, that is a problem with me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so speaking of catching up, you, uh, you host uh, the RuPaul's Drag Race recap show, yeah. Catching Up. What other shows do you do? Because I only know of the two that you do. Those are the only podcasts that I host. I'm thinking about starting one. One of my advice for people, people are always coming to me for advice for podcasts, like how does they want to start one. And I think you would ch- could chime in here on this because you have your own. One of the things I tell them is like you have to be consistent. And what I mean is, especially early on, do it every single week. Okay? Never miss a week. And part two is, uh, this is something we didn't follow, but I would do now, is I would build up a bank of like five to six episodes before I tell people. That's what I did. Yeah. Because if you just have one episode, then like, okay, and then that's it. But five or six gets them hooked. So I want to start one where it's just me by myself talking about something that's going on. And it, But it won't be necessarily like an issue. It'll be – I think I'm just going to call the show Joe Batanz, believe it or not. And it might be one day I'm talking about, you know, uh, Kevin Spacey and Al Franken and Louis C.K. and that drama – but it could be like, I have a ton of, uh, and I, I don't mean this as a bragging thing or a name dropping thing. I mean, it's just almost like I'm very proud of my friends. I have friends who've accomplished a lot in show business and entertainment, and I would love to interview them, but I don't want to have an interview show. Does that make sense? It so does. like one time I'll come in and I'm going to interview this person. And then the next week, next time I'll talk about, um, my recipe for machaca, you know, and then that'll be the whole... Because I was thinking the other day, I want to write a book. Tell me, tell me, listen here. Yeah, I'm listening. I've lost about 35 pounds. High five. Thank you. And I'm still going... And I'm not... The difference is, one, I'm not weighing myself. I weigh myself once a month. Two, I'm watching the calorie. Like, I'm watching my calorie, but I'm not like, oh, I can't have this. I can't... I'm like, like if... Look... If I want to, if you and I want to go outside and have a, a pie or something afterward, I'm like, I'm going to do it, right? And then, 
just cutting back, you know, and then if I only lose two pounds in a month, all right, I lost two pounds that month, right? I'm not stressing it out. I've been the past, I'll be like, I need to get thin now. I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck Is it. there a certain reason that you now want to lose a weight? Yeah, because uh, I will come back to that because I okay. want to finish my point is I've actually been eating. I'm a really, I shouldn't say that. That's obnoxious. I love to cook. And so I, I, as a result of loving to cook, I have really good technique. And so I've been, I've always been sort of like obsessed with Mexican food, being Mexican, but I've been really doing a deeper dive than I've ever done before and really making like OG shit from like <laughs> a little town in Chiapas or something, you know? And in doing that, I'm all like, oh, wait, you know, actually real Mexican food, not Mexican-American food, but real Mexican food is actually kind of healthy. You know, if you do it yeah, right, yeah. and you, you might have to make a few minor adjustments, like you can't, you know, like use two tablespoons of lard <laughs> when doing something. And but top like, it with a pound of sour cream on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make a few minor adjustments, but it's actually on the healthier side. And so I want, I'm thinking I'm going to make a book, write a book at the end of it called Eat Like a Cholo. <laughs> and it will be written in the vernacular of a cholo. And it'll just have. What those, audience are you shooting this to? Like, who expects to buy and Mexicans. It? Okay. Which usually there's a big middle in the, in the Venn diagram there. Like, okay. people who want to laugh at Mexicans. There's two people who love to laugh at Mexicans Mexicans and racists, you yeah. know? And so uh, I, th I think it's for that audience. Now, back to your question. I think the reason I wanted to lose weight was, you know, I went through a, a pretty significant breakup about a little over a year ago. And um, it's, I'm still kind of fucked up about it. I'm still fucked up about it. And Who made the choice in the breakup? It, uh, you know, I said this, and I remember he and I spoke afterwards. Uh, he, he listened to the episode of my podcast where I talked about this, and he agreed with everything in it. This is the way I put it, is... I put the letter in the envelope, but he licked it and put the stamp. Okay. That's, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So it was one day, you know, we were actually celebrating our six-month anniversary or whatever. And I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like this or had this happen to you, where it's like, we were having a pleasant conversation. And then one little tiny issue sort of came up and we were talking about it. And then three hours later, we were broken up. Wow. You know? And I remember the whole time we kept saying, we're not breaking up. This is just... This is just, you know, we're just talking this thing out. And then it was like, you know, when you have a sweater and there's that little string mm -hmm. and you pull it and then you unravel the sweater. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. And uh, one of the things that I've been struggling with recently is I think I've actually put the part to bed where I lost my boyfriend. I think the part that I'm mourning now is I didn't realize at the time and I'm realizing it now that I lost my best friend. Oh, that's tough. You know? And I think that's because when I think about it now, I'm not thinking about, oh, I want to fuck him or I miss this romantic stuff. I miss the phone calls and I miss that. But anyway, the point is I'm losing weight because it's like, damn girl, you know, I, I, I speak terrible Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? A little. Okay. I speak terrible Spanish. So please, anybody who speaks Spanish, forgive this. But it's like, I'm going to say it slowly because if I say it fast, it'll be even worse. <laughs> but... Un clavo saco otro clavo. Did I say that I've right? I've never heard that saying. I don't know. But a nail takes out another nail. Okay. 
right? And so I think you just missed up the emphasis on sako. Okay. It's like sako, I think. Yeah. So I uh, that's what I'm sort of I'm trying to find that other nail. And so uh, I think that's so. And, and, and also, I just want to feel better about myself. But that's why, like, look, if I was thirsty, I would I would have run over here and eaten a celery stick, you know, and not breathed too much. No, bitch, it'll happen when it happens, <laughs> you know, like I will lose the weight and I will get there when I get there and I will be better for it. Did you at least set yourself like in five years? I want this goal. No, it just happens when it no, happens. Yeah, you can't. I think I feel you can't force that. Are you ready now? Does that mean you're ready now for a relationship? Yes, okay. but I'm not. Again, I'm not looking for it. I'm the kind of person. Any relationship has always been organic. I've never understood, and I'm jealous of it. I've never understood the gays who like we met on Grinder, <laughs> and now we live together. Two weeks later, we're getting married next month. Yeah, and I'm all like, what? Like I have to like, I have to like know you for four years before I go to the bathroom in front of you. <laughs> You're like, how are you? How is it happening so fast? You know, you know what gets me really mad is I have two amazing friends. This is the part that gets me mad. I have two amazing friends. Uh, both very accomplished, both very attractive, both amazing people. And they have the worst fucking boyfriends on the planet. Ugh. Like literally awful, awful, terrible people. The only reason I can ever even justify that is that they are digmatized where that dick is so good that they don't want to leave it. I That's just, the only reason I could think of someone would deal with that. I just said those words, not digmatized, that's you, trademark Eric Vera, but I just said those words today because one of them, his boyfriend legit beats him. Uh, okay, it, there, there might also be a financial reason that they're together. Oh, girl, no, I would get that. No. <laughs> My friend makes all the money. He's a real estate agent. Okay. The boyfriend is a dog walker. Like, okay. and not all the time. Right? Like, no. My boyfriend, my, my boyfriend, my friend is better looking. Wait, does your, does your, does your friend like that kind of, uh, like, abuse? Does he get off on it? Is, could that be a reason so why he actually likes? So that's funny that you likes... say that. Yeah, he, we were just talking yesterday about his taste in porn, and he likes sub-dom porn. Okay. And I think that probably has an element to it. And also, I think there's some sort of culty thing going on. But anyway, my point in this is, like, how do I not have a boyfriend? And these <laughs> two fuckers have boyfriends who are hotter than they are, make all the money, and they call the shots. You know, the awful people call the shots. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I, I think maybe it's because you're not willing to settle. I think Not I, that they're settling. I don't know their situation. But it sounds like you know what you want and you're not going to accept anything less. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so going back to what you said, I love this originally started with any other podcast I have. So no, <laughs> I have just Drew Paul's Drag Race recap. So one of my questions was, yeah. it's uh, you have... Hosts with every podcast that you do, you have uh, with the RuPaul one, you have um, with Taylor, and then you just introduce the third one. So, that, so I feel like you like three hosts, and then your other podcast is Mike, which is two hosts. So now you're going by yourself. Are you scared that you're not going to be interesting by yourself? No, no, no. I've done stuff by myself before. Uh, I actually, it's really not a compliment to me. It's actually kind of sick that I can just talk. A lot. I can. I can just talk. When there's no one there, I just sort of imagine an audience. And no, I've done it by myself before, and it's, it's fine. Like, you would, I could do an hour. I could Who's sicker, you for being able to talk, or me because I'm listening? 
I don't know. <laughs> like, no, I, I think what it is is I have a, a mental thing where I really feel like I'm talking to someone who's listening. Okay. So what I do actually when I'm doing that is I imagine that you're listening or that my partner Mike is. Um, no, I only actually really like the podcast where it's just me and another person. On RuPaul's Drag Race Recap, we started with three. One of them left. We were nervous last season, so we brought in rotating third co-host. But then we realized, do you... Are you listening to the season six recaps, or did you listen to them? No, I think... Okay, no. that's fine. So what I'll do is I'll give you a link after this that you can, on your drive back to Texas, you'll have 18 hours of podcasts oh my God, to listen yeah. to. Of our, we, did, we recap season six for our people who support us on Patreon. And, uh, but we have a private link for that. But we, it's just me and my partner Taylor on that. It's just the two of us. And we realized, one, we got really good at it, but two, we only need us. We've brought on a third person named Evan, a little twink. I brought him on for a couple of reasons. One, he does have... Because you want a new boyfriend? No. <laughs> one, one, he does have a almost savant-like knowledge of RuPaul's Drag Race, where he can, imagine, he can remember a certain challenge and how people perform in season three. And also, yeah, no, but to speak to it, I do think it's important to have that millennial voice. Because, you know, Taylor's a little older than me. I'm in my early 40s. And... I think it's important to have that voice. I don't know. We just did an episode where we released. That's why you think it's going to be three people. It's only going to be um, myself and Taylor. And that Evan's going to do stuff on our Patreon account. No, I heard but, you say that. Yeah. But it's like you still introduce a third. So that's why I was like, maybe he likes. No, no, no. We just wanted. Because what happened, we had to do this review of a, of a new TV show, Trixie and Katia yeah. show. And Can I just put my input before you say yeah, that? Because I know that um, uh, Babalu, right? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Couldn't finish the show. I couldn't finish the show. I stopped watching like five or ten minutes in. Uh, it's horrible. Yeah. It's awful. I was trying to be nice on you, Evan. You, when we were talking about it, so Evan's a millennial who loves RuPaul, I mean, Trixie and Katya. And I could see in his face that he was crushed, so I even gave Aww. it two stars. But, but like I told you, uh, we have a mutual friend. I, I mean, I didn't tell you. I told the show. Uh, Evan and I have a mutual friend who is Evan's age, actually a little younger. And he could not get through it. I don't think it's that good. I think, I don't know. But did you watch, uh? I watch um a few episodes um and what did you think of that i enjoyed them i okay. i i actually did like a, i binged them and i watched a lot of them at once because i enjoyed them there were some you know we all have the episodes that don't really stand up the test of time or even like the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're just not that good they're there but i enjoyed the relationship i laughed i love trixie i think she's hilarious katya's funny i think she i think trixie gives uh, katya a little bit more credit than she deserves uh, I think she thinks Katya runs the show but I feel like Trixie's the star of it um, that's just how I felt about uh and then when I saw I think y'all nailed it with all y'all's like how y'all thought it's like there was a loss of magic um, and it was like it did feel forced so yeah yeah I think you know what it is I think they're very busy and what happens is you become aware of what you're doing and so when you become aware of it, then you're, you're trying to recreate that magic. It just, just, I think they know it, but they don't, like for instance, you and I, or if I do a podcast, I mean, this costs virtually nothing to do. So we can talk and talk and talk and talk until we get it. But with what they're doing, you know, people who are paying for it don't want to pay all that money for a crew to watch you just ramble until you mm -hmm. hit magic. So you're trying to force, like that, that's why probably Trixie and Katya should do a podcast is what they should do or a, a a cheaper, more 
I like their formula that they had on on YouTube. I thought on it was great. Season. Yeah, on the first season. Yeah, because the first season they were just doing it for real. There was nobody watching. Well, because a lot of their some part of their humor comes from their face as well and the reactions. Um, so I I think you might lose that in a podcast if they only strictly did podcasts. Maybe yeah. if it was like a live or maybe it was like a feed and then the, the audio was turned into podcast, that might be better. I should have talked about this on the show, but I didn't. But, you know, when I went to the season eight finale, they there's a pre-show for the finale when you see it live, tape live. And so, like, for season seven, the, the pre-show host was Bianca. And for season nine, the pre-show host was Bob. But for season eight, it was Trixie and Katya. And they were terrible. They bombed <laughs> so Hard. Who, do you know who wrote the material? They, that's the thing. They didn't write any material. They were like basically doing. Here's the thing, and, and this is probably true for uh, they were doing what they were doing. What happens is when you do that sort of free form brainstorming, we're just gonna like go wherever it takes us, kind of comedy. Most of your shit's gonna be terrible, and I'm not saying that as a judgment on them. Listen to a lot of Robin Williams. Uh, 80% of what he said, even at his best, was horrible. But that 20% was so good, you know? And he knew this. He was just going through thick things to get to the good stuff. And, but he had the charisma and the energy to pull that off as a stand-up. And he learned it. They weren't stand-ups. And they were just very early in their Trixie and Katya-ness. And so they're up there just doing their random shit. And people were just like... Checking their phones and ignoring yeah, it. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was oh. crickets. It was crickets in the theater. It was embarrassing. That's why they don't have it up on World of Wonders <laughs> YouTube. It's, it's really, really terrible. Yeah. And so um, I think what you saw in Uh for season one is they would do that and then they would edit out all the shit and put in the good yeah. stuff. And then you have Uh. And then they became aware of it. So, um, I don't know how we got on that topic, but we were talking about the magic and uh, and how they lost it. And I was gonna go with you found magic with your hosts. Like, where did these guys come from? How did you meet these two guys? Okay, so Mike you do, Rossett, yeah, Mike. Yeah, so Mike, I've known for since the year two thousand. Uh, actually, he and I met on it was pre anything. It was a gay website that was run by AOL called Planet Out. And he and I met on there. And I think there was, it did last maybe 10 seconds, but like a sort of like, oh, who's this person kind of thing, right? But it never <laughs> Mike went. Mike is cute. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of a like, oh, what's going on? Who's this person, you know? And then it was, but that faded very quickly. And the probably the first phone call, you know? And then we just became friends. And then we were really, really good friends for a long time. And then he moved to Arizona. And he lived there for about four or five years. And then when he was moving to San Francisco, he had, he started another podcast. He was he was an early adopter of podcasts. I think like in 2008, 2009, he was doing a podcast. Wow. And I, hear, I hear it was tough to make podcasts back then. Yeah, he was doing it. I, I don't, he was an early adopter. And he left that podcast and he was moving to, to the Bay Area. And he was like, you know, I think we should do a podcast. So we were, we were, we were talking every week and just sort of quote unquote catching up and he's like we should do a podcast and I was like oh what's this podcasting thing I don't know what it is <laughs> and then you know almost five years ago we started a podcast where all we did was the format pretty much you know now it's just tell a couple personal stories and go back and forth and do I don't really do news stories anymore but we should do news stories and, <laughs> and then wait so how do you come up with your stories you just like retell the same ones from the past 
You say the story you, you don't do, up? No, you don't no, do no. new stories? Well, look, I think, uh, here's what I think. I think over the years we've evolved, both of us. And so I think in the beginning, Mike was very much the gung-ho podcaster and I was sort of tagging along. And somewhere, I don't know when, it switched. And if I'm being honest, and maybe Mike will hear this, I don't know, Mike and I have never had this conversation. I sort of get the sense Mike's only doing it now because I want to do it. Mm -hmm. But that if I said, let's end the show tomorrow, he would be more than fine with that. And I'm aware of that. But somewhere along the line, I decided, oh, you know what? I like this. And so I can't speak to Mike's method of how he brings stories. He brings his own stories. But with me, it's like I just sort of take note of weird shit that happens to me. And then I just tell two stories over the course of the week. I, I, I like I like listening to that because you have a way of creating a story on catching up and also with the Drag Race recap and in a really good way of like telling it. So it works really well. So what I was going to ask you was, you started five years ago with catching up. Had you worked in radio previously? Because you are a really good like storyteller and you can keep people's attention, I feel, and you can carry them for a while and not lose interest. Well, first of all, thank you. One, no, but before catching up, I was a stand-up comic for five years in LA. Ooh, was that tough? No. Again, it was one of these things where I got super lucky is a friend of mine who was an actress at the time, and this is common in LA, was taking a stand-up comedy class for her acting. Like, actors take a bunch of classes. But she was afraid to do it, so she asked me to do it with her, so I did it with her. And I started to like it. And then I entered some competition, and the host was this female comedian who I thought was really funny. And so we talked afterwards, and we really, really hit it off. And the smart, it was luck, actually, in that when you're doing stand-up comedy, particularly in L.A. or Orange County, is there's a weird tar pit that you can get stuck in where it's you're just doing, like, local shows and you have to bring your friends, and it's hard to actually get out of that tar pit. It really is so hard. But I was lucky and I got to jump over it because she was already she'd already jumped over it she was an attractive woman she was funny so she knew all the big comics i mean comics that you and i know she knew them and she would introduce me to them and i became friends with them i dated one of them you know and so i got to jump over that and so and they got to teach me a lot and i got to do shows that probably i shouldn't have been able to do but i got to learn instead of having <laughs> to be with shows with shitty people where you're just reinforcing terrible habits i got to be in shows with really good comics and learn good habits and so, but you know, even before that, and I've always said this, if I worked really, 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 really hard, I would have only ever been a B-plus comic. I realized, you have to understand something, is people think that stand-up comedy is just going up on stage and talking, and the ones who are really good, who by the time you get to them, they, by the time you see them, you're seeing the ones who are really good. But the ones who are really good make it seem like that. But actually, stand-up comedy has a tremendous number of rules. There's so many rules in stand-up comedy. It's about concision, and it's about wor how, what words you... What you know, one of the exercises you do is you go out to a comedy club to try out your material, 
And when you do, you record it and then you go home and you literally write down everything you say and you strike out any extra word that you can. So that by the time you hear the bit in its final form, it's almost like poetry. And there's so many rules and when you do this and when you do that and how long you take here. I mean, there are comics who are obsessed with this. And that's not what conversation is for me, you know? And so conversation and storytelling don't really work very well. I know storytelling's a new thing now with the moth and whatnot, but if you're going on stage for stand-up comedy, that doesn't really work. And so I realized that my talents really lied with being able to have more of a free form and talk about it. Now, by the way, just so you know, in both shows, I edit them. And since I'm the editor, <laughs> I'm clearly making myself as wonderful as possible and taking out anything like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or that's not that funny. And so, but, so when you hear that, it's also been edited. But I think conversation is more my form, which it's... Uh, uh, besides podcasting, is there any sort of artistic or creative endeavor that you do besides podcasting? I do, yes. What is what? Just what? Uh, I work with leather. I, I'm a photographer, and um, I also just like got into like, So let's filmmaking. take photography. Photography is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here, because people think this with comedy, and it's the same thing with photography. Is Actually, what kind of photography do you do before I ask, before I insult you, um, actually? Portraits. But do you do wedding photography? No. Okay, that's a perfect example. Okay. <laughs> so I'll bet you that you tell people I do photography and they're like, oh, will you photograph my wedding? And you're like, not that there's anything against wedding photography, but that's just a different, that's not what I do. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't do wedding photography. That, God bless them. That's a that's monster what, in its own. Yeah, that's its own monster. Uh, and it's the same thing with stand-up. It's people think, oh, you're funny. You should do stand-up comedy. And the truth is there's so many different uh, venues and avenues for you to go if you're funny. It could be podcasting. It could be stand-up comedy. It could be sketch comedy. It could be improv. It could be be a funny actor. You could write songs. You could do so many things and be funny. Some people are fu – so, you know, a lot of the screenwriters that I know – aren't very funny people, but they write hilarious movies. People can be funny in different ways. And I think for me, not that I'm going to say I'm funny, I'll change it to compelling. I think I'm more compelling in this medium than any other medium. Now, I do want to comment on something. You guys who are listening probably heard a party. <laughs> I have Now, this is one of these where I, this is, I noticed it. Where I'm going to say, like, fucking white people, man. <laughs> like, I have never seen a party go from party to silence yeah in I, under I 10 seconds it. yeah <laughs> that was the weirdest thing like it was, it was pretty weird first of all also i want everyone to know it's friday at 8 30 and the party's over fucking white people <laughs> i don't i don't that don't should be the name of my it. podcast fucking white oh, people could you imagine i know so anyway so that's the thing to relate to you with photography and and, and with uh comedy is like yeah I, again i don't think i was a terrible comic i was doing very well but like i think that my strength lies in this medium i imagine you also need a passion to do comedy especially like if you said it's really hard to get out of that tarpet if you don't love what you're doing then it's also going to be really hard to stay in it well also in terms of money is um i know a lot some of the funniest people i know the funniest stand-up comics where you if you saw them, you would be crying with laughter. Even some that you've seen on TV. Make no money. Like when I say make no money, it's like ha 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 ha. 
they make fifty thousand dollars a year. Or no, 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 no. I think I mean literally they make no money. I remember you know the Hollywood Improv sent out a, a, a list and I kept it for a long time of how much they paid the stand-up comic so you would know what you were getting paid and it was literally like if you hosted the show it was twelve dollars yeah you make zero money i hear that's like similar to drag queens as well yeah exactly and so what's funny is i have a friend and he's a very funny comic and he's very successful and he works all the time but he goes on the road a lot and what happens when you go on the road is you're essentially working to live like you're bringing in money, but that you use that money to live, and you're just working and doing comedy and traveling around the country just to live. You're so not, you said you dated another comedian. Yeah. Did that hurt your relationship? Basically, working just to live. Did that kind of make y'all kind of go separate ways? Did that affect? No, it? he was very successful. He was rich and famous. Oh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. So it didn't hurt it at all. Uh, no, with him, it, no, it never. You know what's so funny? He's such a narcissist that I, my comedy never came up with him. Hmm. But I think when you you know he's, he was a comic from a very young age, and so I think he only knows comics, and so like to him, me my being a comic meant okay. It's like saying like you mean a Mexican or me meet a Mexican. You're like, All right. Well, for me, if I were to meet another photographer, I would I would love to talk about photography and the equipment and. But and are you that. surrounded by photographers all the time? No, exactly. Oh, uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, and also I was very sensitive to the fact that. People and this happens when you have any degree of success in show business. Is you're surrounded by people who constantly want things from you, and that's not even necessarily saying that they're bad people. I'm just saying people are constantly asking you to do things for them or do favors, and even it's I think it's tough for even the good people, and um, because you have to you want to help everybody, but you have to say no at a certain point. I think. He, as much as I will talk shit on my ex, I will say he is a very generous person, a very good person. But I was very conscious of that, and I and I hold my head up high about this. I never once asked him for anything. He never gave me money. He never gave me a spot. He never took me on the road, and I never asked for it. He never offered it, and it was. And I think that's what made the breakup easier and more respectful. And now when I see him, he licks my face, and I. He licks your face? That's gross. <laughs> I cannot stand it. Is that the kind of porn you watch? Where people lick your face? No, I hate it. <laughs> I really do. You know, it's so funny. It's like, you know, I was having a conversation last week with uh, my cousin about this Kevin Spacey thing. And I, I want your thoughts on this. Where not all, like, looks. <laughs> Molly and a 14-year-old, is, is it's beyond the pale. But... What I'm talking about is a lot of the stuff that you're hearing Kevin Spacey accused of. My cousin said, like, this is called being gay. Like, how many times, Eric, have you been at a gay club and someone just grabbed your dick? Uh, my dick? Never. My ass is a different story. Okay. A few times, but not like like a handful, but like the, maybe yeah. four times. But the point of you're being groped, you're being prodded, you're being... And, and what happens with me when that happens is... uh. If I'm interested, then we we take it further. But if I'm not, I'm like, no, go go away. <laughs> and so, it it's one of these things where not that 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 the women are wrong. I think there's a different dynamic. Well, no, for Kevin Spacey, it's it's men. But it's one of these things where I do feel like 
it causes a sort of blind spot in me when I hear these stories. And so I have to really check my empathy because I'm like, there's a part of me, there's an element of me as a gay man who only knows gay, not only know gay men, but who in terms of sexual politics only deals with gay men. There is an element of me that's just like, it's annoying. Get over it. Does that well, make sense? Um, maybe because um, my thought would be just because it happens in law doesn't make it okay. You know? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I'm and not also, start with the premise that what Kevin Spacey did in 100 percent of the circumstances is wrong. If the other person doesn't want it and isn't welcome, uh, then, uh, then no, it's it's wrong. I think a better example of what I'm talking about is. Do you know who Finn Wolfhard is? No. He is the star of Stranger Things. He's a kid. Okay. Okay. And there was this whole thing where it caused a big uh, uproar like a week or two ago because uh, uh, colleagues and whatnot felt like he was being sexualized on Twitter. And in particular, a 27-year-old female model wrote on Twitter like, hey, Finn Wolfhard, uh, hit me up in four years, you know, with the implication being let's fuck in four years, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's 14. And people are like, what's wrong with you? You're gross. Whatever, right? Okay. People had a countdown for the Olsen twins. Like, uh, for the Olsen twins, for Britney Spears, for Selena Gomez, for yeah, Adriana like, Grande. What? I know, I know, I know. It's so dumb. So then Finn Wolfhard was somewhere and a reporter asked him, what did you think about that? And he was like, I thought it was gross and it was very inappropriate and she should be ashamed of herself. And I was, I was telling friends, I go, let's assume he's straight. And if he's straight, bullshit. <laughs> you're telling me you're 14 and a 27-year-old fashion model says she wants to fuck you when you're 18. And you're like, that's gross. Bull fucking shit. You're feverishly masturbating to it every night in your bed. Now, but on the other side, did you hear that someone accused Charlie Sheen of fucking Corey Haim? No. Yes. But then it's – Corey Haim's mom said it's not true and I never thought it was true. It sounds weird. But – it, the, the accusation was when Corey Haim was like 14 and Charlie Sheen was 20. Have you ever seen a 20-year-old Charlie Sheen? Maybe. Okay. Once upon a time. He was so fucking hot. And I'm, I can't speak for Corey Haim. I can't speak for anybody. But when I was 14, and if I was there and Charlie Sheen was like, I want to fuck you, <laughs> I would have been like, where? <laughs> Maybe you're just a horn dog. You're a sucia. Yeah. But I think 14-year-olds are horn dogs. They are. I, I think um, I think in my area in town, there was like nine-year-olds that were giving hand jobs in the back of the bus where it was like they were experiencing their um, figuring out things that early. So, but maybe Kevin it's just, Spacey just bought a ticket now to Houston. <laughs> you're stupid. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. People are horn dogs at that old, but also to be 20. And I feel like when you're 14, you're not, I feel like you're, doesn't like your frontal lobe fully form around 25. So yes. you aren't who you are completely um, until that age. So for him to even try something for someone who hasn't even matured mentally, I think is, isn't right. Be it, whether the 14 year old wants it or not. Cause you're, you're essentially taking advantage of that child. No, no, right? no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. And, uh, look, Kevin Spacey shouldn't have done what he did with Anthony Rapp and whatnot. I'm just saying, that we are we are in a scary time right now where look i'm sure when we had the commie scare in the 50s in the very beginning we found actual communists all right but then at a certain point you've run out of communists but the beast is still hungry and so you still need to feed so now people it's just like 
Oh my god, that person. There was a story about uh, Adam Sandler was on this uh, talk show in England with a co-star of some movies promoting some movie he's in. And as he was talking, he put he'd make a point and he'd put his hand like just like that on her knee to make the point like, oh, Pam here did something. And then as a joke later, she does it. And so all these people this during it were like, oh my god, Adam Sandler is sexually harassing this woman. And to the point where she had to come out and say like. No, guys, it's okay. He wasn't sexually harassing me. I was fine with that. I wasn't uncomfortable. We were laughing about it. And that's, it's that. That's what scares me. That's exactly what scares me is that element of it. I don't know how familiar you are with history, but are you you aware about post-revolutionary France? No. So what happens is these were the liberals, essentially, who overthrew the king, and now they had taken over the government. And what happened was they, if... If you just disagree with anything they say, these were the liberals, they would uh, put you on the guillotine. And they were just fucking killing people left and right. If, if you go like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be killing people left and right. Guillotine! <laughs> He's a monarchist, you know? And uh, to the point where finally someone was like, enough is enough. Someone finally had to stop it. And that, it, I feel like that's where like, the witch hunt comes and the commie scare and and – I, I feel we're going there. I feel we're hurtling towards that, and it's 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 scary. It's scary. Be- and look, look, Harvey Weinstein is a monster. Kevin Spacey is a monster. Uh, James Toback is a monster. These people have done horrific, horrific things, and they they deserve what's coming to them. But I think we're getting close to a point where it's it's going to be like okay, stop. Yeah, I, I can I understand when, when you may put it that way. I, I see where you're coming from now, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these, you it, it, it's more like a case-by-case basis where, like, was it consensual? What's the situation? What's going on? Um, how, What's the background of these people? And it's very hard to do that whenever, especially with things getting put in the media and then things, like, people are just so sensitive and, and hot to, like, take someone's head off. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, though. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you have any other questions? I don't even know because we just kind of went all over the place. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about. Well, tell tell you do that. You do. I want to talk to you because you're a host of a couple of podcasts. Oh, I was going to ask you. Um, after your five years, what made you get out of comedy? Because I was like, so you went to comedy and you did podcasts, but I imagine the podcast wasn't your full time kind of like. Oh, that's my gig. No, I'd already. I had not been doing comedy for like a year or two when I did. Maybe like a year when I did the podcast. Um. I didn't like – it's weird with stand-up. I liked doing stand-up. I really, really liked the people in the world of stand-up. I liked other comedians. I feel those are my people kind of. Uh, and I like being around them. I didn't like the life of a stand-up. It's a very – it's just not for me. It's you're up super late. Like I told you, you're not making money, so you end up spending a lot of money because you're at a bar, uh, you're drinking, and then you wake up the next day and half the day is gone, and then what do you do? And then you you go do stand-up again. And it was just exhausting to me. And it was just – it felt like the same thing. You have to understand something too. When you're doing stand-up, you're saying the same thing thing over <laughs> and over and what's funny that's is, the life of a server i totally get that life I, yeah i get it i have a friend i have a couple i have many friends who do stand up and i go and see their act and yeah there's this joke's new or that joke's new and that joke's gone that joke's gone but for the most part i would say 
my friends, their acts today are 70% of what they were saying in 2005 when I met them. Wow. And they're saying the same thing over and over and over again, night after night. Like I did it for a few years and by a certain point I was just like, I would literally be talking and I would check out. And those would be some of the times when you bomb actually is because you're not present. And I would just be like, words would be coming out of my mouth, but I wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the joke because I've said that joke a million times. And that's one of the things I like, re reason I like podcasting is it sounds like conversation because I am talking. This is what I'm saying right now. You're getting me on whatever day today is at 8.30 p.m. But when you're doing stand-up, it's a joke that I've been working on for years and I've said it a million times. And it and what happens, it starts to turn into a song. You start saying like, but up 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 but but up but up but up you know and then it's like everyone laughs or they don't laugh so i didn't like that part now by the way there are people who are super good at it and they're super into it and they can live in it and be in the moment and the people i was telling you about where 70% of their act is the same act there's it still makes me laugh when they're doing it they still are they still can pull it off so hats off to them and uh but that wasn't for me so what did you do afterwards so what happened was uh, I did the – are you talking about in terms of like career, like money, how to make money? Or whatever. Well, then a year I was um, just living my life and then I did the podcast. And the podcast, you know, that podcast catching up started with like 100 listeners. It's still very small by the way. Um, but it was one of these things – I don't know I, I don't know how personal you get on your show but like – when Mike and I started doing the show and I wanted listeners, I would tell anybody who would listen, like, oh, I do this podcast called Catching Up. You got to listen. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and some would say yes. And some would say no. Most said no. Or they tried it once and it wasn't for them. And then I realized that was a huge mistake because I want to talk shit on them on my show. And I don't want them to hear it. So now <laughs> I intentionally, people will say, like, you have a podcast? I'm like, but well, now I just point them to RuPaul's Drag Race recap. And uh -huh. they don't like, if they don't like RuPaul's Drag Race, they listen. But with Catching Up, I'm always very dismissive about it. You know, you know, listen, listen. Because I want the freedom to talk shit on people. Well, why can't you talk shit without, with, with them listening anyways? Because there are people who I know who are very sensitive. Do you plan on being friends with them? Is that like you see them on a daily basis kind of thing? Well, you know, I, luckily I have the kind of personality that they ever do hear it. They will be fine. They'll just realize it's who I am. But I'm not saying they'll be happy about it. Like my cousin Richard, I have a cousin Richard who we're very close. Thank God he's never listened to the show because I've said horrible things about him. I even, to be honest with you, to, to, but to, to speak to what I was saying is I used to say worse things about Richard. I've tempered it because I found out his sister listens <laughs> so that she'll report it. So I will still tell stories that I know she'll find funny. You're but such an instigator. I know. And so... Uh, if I find out you're listening, that means that's the way you find that. You know, if you want to get me not to talk shit on you, you you tell me you listen, and then I go, oh, okay, I can't say that on the show. So <laughs> if you ever want to talk shit about me, feel free to talk shit well, about me. I don't if care. you listen on Monday, you'll hear me talk shit. About <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably catch up on that on like the like the next like within this week. Yeah, and I'm gonna t I'm gonna tweet you and be like, bitch, you didn't read the message. <laughs> no, I, I mentioned that in the show. What Eric's talking about is he and I were trying to coordinate this. And I thought we were supposed to meet last Sunday, and I was like, what? And then I thought that I had not read the message correctly, and he did say that it was supposed to be 
the following weekend. So how do you get from catching up to um, Serious Radio with Larry Flick 101? What, do, um, it, you, actually, do it Do it one time. Yeah. Do it. Uh, I don't know if I can do it. I haven't done it a long time. <laughs> Uh, Sirius XM Radio Entertainment Weekly Radio 101 with Larry Flick Channel 105 <laughs> um, Okay So I actually have Exclusive news for you That I'm talking about On my own podcast um, So Larry Flick Was looking for He likes RuPaul's Drag Race And was looking for RuPaul's Drag Race Podcast And we wisely Named ours RuPaul's Drag Race Recap so it comes up right away when you do an iTunes search. And so he checked it out and he really liked it. And then he listened to all of our shows and really liked catching up. And so actually fell in love with catching up, loved catching up. So he actually invited Mike and I, or he invited Mike and me onto his radio show, One on One with Larry Flick. And we did a guest spot on there. And then afterwards he asked me if I would go on his show and talk about RuPaul's Track Race. So, and in fact, um, just the other day, he, uh, I'm going to phrase this correctly because I don't want to put Larry in the spot. Um, there's a spot open on his show for a producer and I would have applied for it, but I'm starting something else out here. I, I can't move to New York right now, but, um, but yeah. That, that Is it a crazy. really good opportunity for you? It is. It is a good opportunity, but because I'm like touching my head right now, like why are you avoiding this opportunity? Because so it it the universe is a sense of humor, Eric. I literally for the past six months have been working nonstop to start this nonprofit uh-huh. that helps uh, poor kids get into college. Okay. And the day I spoke to Larry about that position, like the day we he talked to me on the phone and told me about it. That day was the day we were having our first meeting of the board of directors to establish the nonprofit. And I'm committed to working with – there are kids I'm committed to working with starting in January. And so, look, that kind of position – this is my take on it. That kind of position, people don't last long in those positions anyway, and there's a lot of turnover in that position. So in a couple of years, once the nonprofit has its sea legs, then maybe we can reconsider it. It's admirable. Thank you. You're welcome. But also, it's a little bit selfless, um, and that makes me a little sad that I feel like in order for you, not that you can't help these children, but like for you to be able to help other people, like you should also like want to help yourself first, so you're able to do it a lot better, be it like mentally or financially. You know? Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying, but you know, it's one of these things where I've been very blessed with a lot of very good connections. So while this is an opportunity that popped up, I have other opportunities and I have other things going on that hopefully those will pan out that I can do it in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. You know? I'm surprised like you haven't gotten a show on Sirius yet. I feel like you, well, they should have contacted well, that's you. That's actually why Larry wanted me out there was so Sirius XM Radio is run out of New York City. And so in Los Angeles there are studios and I go to the studios in LA, but it literally doesn't look what's well, much smaller than where we are right now, but it doesn't look much different from this. And it's like literally like five people who work there and they operate the studios and they make sure it's running, but there's no shows really being run out of there. It's studio space essentially that they own. And so all the decision-making happened serious. There's a guy who's on Larry's show with us, who's a straight guy. They just brought on to do a drag race recap with us. 
because they want the straight perspective. And he's on because he's in New York. He's all over the place on Sirius. And so Larry was like the when Larry was making the pitch was like, "Bitch, come out here, do two to three years as a producer, and then maybe if you play your cards right, you get your own show." Um, I would love to get my own show. I don't know how. I have to be in New York. That's where the people who make the decisions are. Same thing with being in Los Angeles. You know, if you want to work, if you want to make it in Hollywood, you got to be in Los Angeles. So uh, that's where they make the decisions, and that's where they're going to see you. So uh, I'm not. I'm actually not too broken hearted about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, like again, like I said, if it was one of these things where I was just like, just a small town boy living in a lonely world <laughs> you're stupid <laughs> uh and I, I was you know i had no other opportunities i probably would be like bye and just be like on a jet plane in new york i have i'm like i said i'm very lucky in that i have a lot of opportunities i have a lot of friends who have can provide those opportunities and so i'm blessed that way nice i am actually getting really hungry so i'm ready to wrap this up are you i i could look I could talk till three in the morning. I know you can. Yeah. And I could listen to it. I'm enjoying this, but I'm actually really getting fucking hungry. Because that what ride up here. What are you like having? Um, a burger. I want a good fucking burger. Or a good Mexican food, because I have yet to have good Mexican food in, um, in okay, California. Okay, let's, let's actually have this conversation on the air. Because the one thing I will say is I am a Mexican food expert. Expert. Especially in terms of like Los Angeles not so much orange county but i have some knowledge here so but expert so you obviously like tex-mex i like tex-mex yeah mm -hmm. so you come from that whole like world of like the you know queso and the you know puffy tacos and all. i don't that like stuff. cheese oh you don't like cheese i hate cheese you hate cheese. yeah okay we'll keep that in mind so um so what kind of mexican food give me ideas of mexican food that you like uh i'm simple just give me a good fucking beef taco with rice and beans and some lemon or lime not lemon Okay. And I'm good. Like and some good tacos, some just... good salsa, like mm -hmm. a good like thickish sauce, like salsa, I'm good. So what we are we're in Fullerton, California right now, and sort of like it's sort of like the bar scene where we are too, actually. So there are a few places I would depending on how far you want to drive or where you want to if you want to walk, we could walk to a burger place and we could walk to a Mexican food place. Okay. Uh, the Mexican food place is fine, you know. Um, is there better Mexican food around here? Probably, you know, but that'll be fine. It's right here. I'm not going to send you like wild goose chicks. There's, you know what? There's actually great Mexican food. You're staying in a city called Santa Ana. Yeah. There's some great Mexican food out there and out that way. But where we are, it's fine. But there's some really good places. You, could, you There's a couple of places I would recommend in Santa Ana. But okay, so then there's that. And then what else did you say? You were getting hungry. Burger. And you, you wanted a good burger. What? Yeah. What's a good burger to you? Uh, just bacon. Bacon. As long as it has bacon in yeah. it. Yeah, I'm simple. I like bacon and mustard and pickles. And so a lot of a lot of people, it's not a hard burger, but a lot of people will jack it up. Like it just won't taste good at all. And usually it's because of the bacon, or they they overcook the burgers. Like like you, for instance, I don't know how much you share on your show, but you work at a chain restaurant. I have a YouTube channel that says me shitting on my hand. Like I share a lot. <laughs> so okay, so you, they know you work at. Uh, Chili's. Oh, no. Exactly. Well, I just said. Well, that's that never come up. Oh, like, okay. I don't have an issue saying, oh, hey, I work for Chili's. Okay. You know? So, uh, what do you think of their burgers? They're all right. So, is that, but, but, okay, I know you're being political, you're being diplomatic. But what I'm saying is, 
Is it in the – the burgers you like, though, are they like a good version of that, what they're trying to do? Is that a good burger to you? Or Because I will say L.A. makes some good-ass fucking burgers. Okay. Um, I don't know why – I think – I'll tell you – I'll get a good, a good example. A stereotype you never hear, but it's so fucking true. Jews have such big fucking dicks. I don't know why they're not promoting that. I would say they <laughs> – they – Give black people a run for their money. Okay. Jews have big. I ass feel like now we have to find a Jew tonight. Yeah, Jews have big ass dicks. In fact, a lot of those gay porn stars you see, I bet you are Jewish. Like that, 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 that James Dean, that gay straight porn star. Uh, I don't really keep up with the. There's names a straight of porn the... star named James Dean. Okay, famous. I'll look him up. Okay, Jewish. You can. He's Jewish, right? There's one that I really like named Michael Del Rey. He's gay. I bet you he's Jewish. Okay. They just have – and every Jewish guy I know has a big, giant fucking dick, right? I don't know why no one knows this stereotype, right? Same thing with the burgers. I don't know why L.A. doesn't have a better reputation for burgers. They have amazing, amazing burgers. Amazing burgers. My parents live in the San Gabriel Valley. You wouldn't just mean nothing to you. But <laughs> San Gabriel Valley is, has a lot of Asians who live there, right? And it actually has – in a different part of San Gabriel Valley – the be- and this is widely accepted among food experts, the best Chinese food or Asian food outside of their respective countries, right? Anywhere in the world. My parents don't have any of that by where they live, but but as a result, sort of like the shrapnel that they get is, you know, like Panda Express and that stuff. Mm-hmm. They have a mom and pop one that my parents live that I thought they were just everywhere, but it's not. And so Panda Express is shit. I don't know if you think Panda Express is shit, but I like their Pepsi. Okay, <laughs> but Panda Express <laughs> is shit. But by my parents' house, imagine now like a mom and pop Panda Express type place, and it is fucking amazing. It is amazing. You're like, whoa! And then for that cheap price, so and I'm sure like everyone goes to Austin. They're talking about like Franklin Barbecue or something like that, right? Yeah, and I hear it's overrated. Okay, yeah. So like, what what would what would surprise people about Austin? In terms of food? Yeah, like, we're like, look, no one knows, but Austin makes the best. I don't know. I'm not a big, like, uh, I hate the word foodie, but I, that's the easiest, the easiest way I can, ex- like, describe it to people who are listening. It's like, I'm not really a foodie. I'm not really one who goes out and experiences different types of food because I'm, like, kind of scared of food. Why are like, you in terms of, of, like, I just have a, like, I don't really like a lot of different types of food. A scare is a really strong word, but um, I get nervous to try things because I don't like not like, tasting something that is gross. Like the fear of it being gross in What's my mouth. What's gross to you? I don't, like I don't know. I haven't really tasted a lot of things lately. But what are foods that you avoid? Well, cheese. cheese. Yeah, I don't eat that. Because um, you don't like it. Or it's not that so sick? much that I avoid. It's just I'm a. I just know what I like and I enjoy, and I just tend to stick to those. So I don't really go and try different foods. But I can't really tell you what I avoid because there isn't really anything I avoid. I just if it's not from like the limited four things I eat, then I don't really don't. Cured. So what are the four things you eat? Burgers? Burgers, tacos. pizza, tacos. Yeah. All right. All right, well, very I, American. <laughs> I know you're very hungry, so I don't want to like prevent you from eating. So I'll let you. How do you end this? We can start. We can end it by letting people know your socials on how they can reach you if they enjoy this conversation. Well, I would. I if always, you ever meet him, don't follow Catching Up. <laughs> yeah. There's a, some other show that I want him to bleep out. And then uh, I always point people towards rupaul's drag race recap even if you believe it or not i think you would agree with this and this is but it doesn't seem like it but it's intentional you can listen to rupaul's drag race recap um, there's gonna be a caveat here 
and not be a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race recap because intentionally so, the first 15 minutes are never about RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> it's the first 15 – and I look at a clock and I try and get it close to 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes are just like uh, uh, catching up with Joe and Taylor. You know, because I want people to get sort of in. And people bitch about it. And I always tell them, like, look, just jump ahead 15 minutes every episode. And it's like 30 if you don't like your host at the moment. If your guest host <laughs> is annoying, you'll like run that shit out. That shit you was know, hilarious. You know what's so funny <laughs> is he, what uh, Eric is talking about is we had a, a guest host last season who was awful. He was awful. What I don't understand is on our numbers, is we have one thing I've always been very blessed with with RuPaul's Drag Race recap. We have really good numbers. But on that episode, on that episode, it's the lowest numbers we've ever had. And what I don't get, though, that would make sense for the following episode. But how do people know about that episode? Word of mouth, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's super, super weird. I've never understood it. So the episode that he was on, uh, episode 10, is our lowest from season What nine. happened on episode 10? Maybe it could have been something that happened that people... No, it was pretty episode people like. It was Rue Crew Makeovers. It was the one right after Valentina went away. Okay. It was the one that Nina went away, when Nina went home. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's just word of mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. So anyway... Or maybe uh, they looked him up, and then they're like, ah. I'm maybe. Not so DragRaceRecap.com. You can find the shows at DragRaceRecap on Twitter and uh, drag, uh, Facebook.com slash DragRaceRecap. So, oh, I have all this fur in my face. Um, <laughs> there's that, like, like I said, Catching Up. I have a show called Catching Up with Mike and Joe. Don't try and start from the beginning. Just always, I've always said, just start from the latest episode. But if it's not for you, that's okay. It's not meant for everybody. We don't want it to be for everybody. It's just us catching up, usually him yelling at me, usually him getting mad at me. If he does get <laughs> mad at me on the show, it is for real. He really is mad at me. So, And it's just two people talking about literally the most boring stuff ever. I can't believe people listen to that show. I think it's interesting. Maybe it's because I'm like, my life is not that interesting that I've I'm like living vicariously through you guys. Mike literally talks about like change, doing his laundry. I don't know how <laughs> your life <laughs> is less interesting than that. But uh, uh. and then uh, yeah, that's that's. I, I think as some, I think at at this point, I'm kind of invested in the relationship. Sometimes you know, like I when they talk happens. about like their their date night and what they did and how they went to like some place and he ate a burger and he was very disappointed in the burger and then they wanted to share and I was like. Yeah, from like the outside, if you're just going into it, it might seem boring. But for someone who's followed you guys for a while, it's just like, oh, what's happening with Mike and Joe? You know, it's like. Well, that's one of the things. You, it, it, look, intellectually, I know that I'm putting it out there. And so does Mike. So the person that's really interesting to talk to are like my cousin Richard or Steve, Mike's boyfriend, who they're just living their lives. They're not, you know, that happened to my ex-boyfriend, too. They're just living their lives. They're not on a show. They don't make a show. And sometimes they have interactions with the fans and they are very – I can't speak for Steve. I don't know. But my cousin and Cam were – I think it's slightly disturbed. Like it was like <laughs> – it was sort of weird and surreal to them that there were people, a lot of people out there who know a lot about them. And they're not put, They're not the ones putting it out there. They weren't offended. They knew I was doing it. But it would be weird. Like, you know, recently I was out with some people and I tweeted or Instagrammed or somehow tagged that I was with these people in Los Angeles. 
And um, by the way, they were Jewish and they all have big dicks. <laughs> and I'm not even being funny. They do all have big dicks. And um, I tweeted I was with these people and a couple of fans started following them on Instagram. And they were like, who is this person? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> you know? And so um, I think that is weird. There is, and, I, and I realized, and that's why actually for me, I, I'm so keeping you from eating. No, you're fine. You're um, totally fine. For me, actually sharing that has become really important to me. So, for instance, you know, when my, when my boyfriend and I broke up, it took a couple of weeks off, and then I did a show where I talked about it. And I, Mike was like, are you sure you want to talk about it? And I, and I actually thought it was important for me to talk about, A, because a lot of people had become invested in that relationship, but also, like, one – the reason I do catching up, this is real. I don't do catching up because I want an audience. That's Drag Race Recap. Drag Race Recap is my business show or whatever. But uh, catching up, I realize at a certain point, like, oh, my God. I have a five-year history of my life out there, you know, or that I can always look back on and listen to what was I doing for the past five years. And so it's really more of a journal for me. And if people listen to that journal, then that's fine. So I wanted to document what I was doing or how I was feeling two weeks after my boyfriend broke it and I broke up. And that was important. And actually, it's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I listen to it sometimes. And it's hard. But um, and it also meant a lot to me because he and I weren't talking at the time. I did find out that he had listened to it and it was very hard on him to listen to. But also I think I wanted people to out there who are going through something to hear that I go through it too. Not that I'm like some oh, go about joking. But no, but I mean like – No, it's nice to see people out there that you can relate to that well, experience different things that you're going through. You know, I, it helps cope with it. Like, oh, I'm not alone in this yeah. world feeling the same thing. You know? when, when I when – when, when Cam and I, right when we broke up, right when we broke up, the thing that really touched me the most was A, how lucky I was that I had so many angels who were there to catch me. But also, I, I didn't – this was shocking to me. I was floored how – interested I was in hearing other people's breakup stories like I wanted to hear other breakup stories they made me feel not so alone and that what I was feeling was valid and so um and so I wanted that to be there for other people that they got to hear that it's almost like hearing like a sad romantic song so uh and so then and Mike has shared thing Mike shares less and less now mm-hmm and so, but I share more and more. So, <laughs> like, I, I, I we, there's a thing on today's episode. So you listen to the latest episode. Oh, no, you're, the last no, you're one I listened to was, yeah, uh, uh, no, what was the last one I listened to? Because I know I caught after you guys finished up the story that you had left off with your, your friend that was into drugs. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to bleep that out? No, it was fine. Okay. And then um, I think I might have caught a couple after. No, I'm not sure. It was there's somewhere around that time is whenever I hadn't caught up yet. So, so you know, I I'm pretty sure I told this story on the show, but if I didn't, I I should. Um, and I referenced it in the episode we just recorded today. But you know, last a couple of weeks ago, um, by fate, I happened to be right by where my boyfriend, I'm sorry, my ex boyfriend lives. 
literally, I didn't want to be there. I was dragged there by the universe. I had to do something for work. And so I thought to myself, hey, I got a good idea. I should buy him a box of candy and take it to his house. He probably Why? won't be home. What was the point of the candy? Like, oh, it's your birthday. Oh, it's his birthday. It was his birthday. Oh. And Wait, so... have you all talked any time between then? No. So, <laughs> but I had I had the wherewithal, because I drove by from his car was there. And do I you was, still love him? I do. Okay. So that, now that's making a little bit more sense to me why you would bring candy, because I would be like, that sounds Oh, it's weird. his favorite candy. But still. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, I thought, you know, it's, it's so funny you're asking that. I thought it was an appropriate gift. It wasn't too elaborate. Like, I thought... If I buy him like a stereo, but he got <laughs> but he got mad with you that you had sent him money via Venmo. So, yeah. so no, why didn't he sent me the money via? Okay, yeah. Okay. So then, why would you think it'd be okay for you to bring candy if he didn't okay, really appreciate? Okay, so everybody said. So here's the story that people don't know. I sent him a text message and then I blocked him immediately after sending the text message. The text message was very nice. It was just like, "Hey, I miss you. I've been thinking about you. I hope you're doing well." And then I immediately blocked him. And then what he did was he sent me. Two $1 micropayments on Square Cash, but the subject line had messages to me. The first subject line was, you're being neither cute nor funny. And the second one was, leave me alone, you inconsiderate asshole. What I figured out is he was parroting back my own words back to me. Okay. Those were words I had written to him in anger. So people have asked and I said like, He probably does mean it, but <laughs> there is an element. There is an element, though, that part of me thinks like, "Oh, you, like you told me this, like, like you're being neither cute nor funny. Leave me alone, you inconsiderate asshole." Remember that when you remember when you were telling me this. Remember when you were telling me to leave you alone? Like, bleh, bleh. so. But look, here's the deal. You're making very good points, and where uh, the one thing I'm proud of myself, like, so I realize that's a blind spot because even to this day, even to right now, this second, I. Don't understand why what I was going to do was so weird or wrong, right? But I do realize that I have a blind spot, that I'm too in it, and so that I'm not making the right decisions. And so I knew to call Sweet Michael, and I knew to call Taylor the Latte Boy, and to run it by them. And both of them unanimously were like, do not do it. Yeah. So it did not happen. Okay. And so I was smart enough to do that. So kudos to you for like knowing that you might be in the wrong and you were not clear, like cleaning, yeah. thinking clearly. But, but I am telling you, I still don't know what was so wrong about it. Right. And, um, but I respect his quote unquote wishes. I trust my friends that they're looking out for my best interests and that they have my best interests at heart and that they're right. And by the way, zero people have ever said I should have left the box of candy. So I know that that was not right. But, um, but that's something that I would want to share in the show. I think I did share it on the show. I don't even know what I put out there anymore. So um, it's stuff like that. I, I want a record of that stuff. That's what I want. But we need to get you some food. No, you're good. I'm enjoying this because I was going to ask you, have you had um, ha have you had those reactions um, on the street that your like cousins have had? And, like, have you, do you have fans coming up to you? The closest... There has been one that I can't remember exactly what it was, but the only one I remember was I was in a, uh, a writing class that my cousin wanted me to take with him. I was with my cousin. And my cousin, I didn't bring anything, but my cousin had brought something that he'd written and, and we read it and I was one of the readers in it. 
And afterward, this uh, guy came up to me really nervously. Well, he walked up to the both of us, and I go, oh, this guy's going to fucking kiss my cousin's ass about how good his play was. And he goes, he goes up to me, and he says, um, do you have a podcast? And I was like, yes. And he goes, is it RuPaul's Drag Race Recap? And I was like, yes. And he was just got so fangirly. He goes, I heard your voice. And then I was like, no, this can't be. This can't be. And then you said your name, and I was like, huh. And, like, <laughs> and I was like. And his big Jewish dick came out of his pants. <laughs> no, he was a gay Mexican. But uh, but that's the closest. We get very nice emails. Uh, that's Who's your favorite people? In terms of? Um, the podcasts that contact you. There are a bunch of regulars who contact us. But going to what I was saying, the, the favorite well, – it's not a specific person. But the favorite ones that I get are um, – we get them less and less as there as there are more and more RuPaul. We were one of the first ones. As there are more and more RuPaul's Drag Race recap shows. Not, I know it's the name of our show, but that's essentially what they are as well. Is as there are more recap shows about RuPaul's Drag Race, the audience is diversifying, and that's a good thing. In that we're we're losing a lot of the messy fans. There was a time in like season seven and season eight. When we were getting a lot of pissed off 13-year-olds that we didn't think Ginger Minj was the greatest person ever. <laughs> but um, so we lost a lot of those queens. They've gone to go on to listen to All Right Mary or uh, Cocktail Friends Hour or something like that. I don't know what it's called. And um, drag, drag wrap-up's really good too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rob had the podcast one. Yeah. yeah. That's a different feel. That one feels more yeah. like uh, radio. Almost, yeah, almost like ESPN-like. Kind yeah, of. yeah. Like, hey, everybody, listen to this. Rob had the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, but a lot of the messy ones listen to a lot of those. Like Grizzly Kiki, I think, is a lot of the messy ones, too. But And so our audience now it seems to be smarter, richer, and older, which we are fine with. <laughs> We're not getting a lot of, like, the dramatic email. Look, we still get drama. But it's not the like you did that. So, the, but the favorite ones that I used to get, I don't, I, we don't get as many as we used to. Like I said, because the audience is diversifying, they're not as young as they used to be. But we used to get a lot of, and again, like I said, it's occasional now, just not as frequent as it used to be. I'm 16 years old, and I've never come out, and people don't know that I'm gay, and I love this show, and we have no one. I have no other way of talking about it so this show scratches that itch about it we still now we still get one from older people who are like they're fine with being gay but they live in you know shit town usa and so that they're the only people who watch rupaul's drag race and so those are my favorite ones the ones where we and that's what i think for game of thrones podcasts or for any other podcast like that they have a bunch of people they can talk about this show with. and But for something about RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's a silly sh It's a water cooler show. It's a show you want to talk about or with, with your friends. And this is, you know, sometimes Taylor will fucking bitch about how much he hates you <laughs> in the show. But he and I do talk about We are so lucky. And you're lucky, too. You have a podcast. We are so lucky that we are people who are fans of the show who we actually get to say our stupid opinions about this show 
and people listen to those opinions. I think the difference between you and me is I don't think anyone listens to my shows. <laughs> I, I'm sure people do. I, I, I do feel the same way that as you, those people said that like that's how I, I start to listen to your shows because I had no one to talk to. And I really appreciate that you guys were making this show for us to like kind of feel the same things you're feeling, not feel like we're the only ones and we didn't have no one to talk to you. So thank you for making that show as well. Yeah, no, no, come on. You're welcome. We do it for our own ego. But that's the thing, though, is that is is like, for instance, Larry on his show will refer to me as a drag race expert. I don't think I'm a drag race expert <laughs> at all. Like, we did this show as a joke. Not a joke, but like, oh, let's do a rap. We, we were all podcasters, so we all had the equipment. It wasn't hard to start a show. And we oh, yeah. Like, speaking of that, you are a part of a, a network, right? The podcast network, um, 40... Pride 48. Pride 48. Uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> ish. Like, I'm friends with all the people who run it because I've been involved with it. But I don't know if I'm necessarily involved in it as much. Um, Mike had a falling out with one of the founders. And so ever since then, catching up hasn't really been that uh, a part of it. But it's one of these things where um, I know all of them. And so, but, you know, you know Drag Race Recap participates because Taylor's a big part of it and Taylor's a big part of Pride 48. But yeah, yeah, Pride 48 is it's a good network. Are you guys part of have you guys signed up with Pride 48? No. Why not? Cuz there's my own network. Uh, oh, but you know what though? I'll tell you this. This is what I'll say. And this is what I do know about them is they don't really I mean they call the Pride 48 network, but it's not the same kind of network that you're thinking of. It's not I see what you're saying. You have your own shows and your own branded shows. Yeah. That's not how they see it. They, like I said, I know people who run it very well. They see it more as like a community. Like a, like a, like a cable package and you can. No, not even that. They see it as like a community. Okay. So they, your show is your show and your network is your network and they would actually promote the hell of it and they would listen to all your shows. But yeah, they don't see it as that. They see, I think they call it a network, but it really is. They, they just see it as like, Hey, the more the merrier, and we like gay podcasts, and like, tell us about your show, and we'll listen to your show, and and blah blah blah. blah. So very so. similar to like the hashtag support brown podcast, where they are trying to get the word out for all the Latino podcasts out in the world. Yeah. So the way Pride Forty Eight started was is guys Adam and Daniel. Daniel used to be on Drag Race Recap. Um, they used to host, and this is why I think. If people don't know the history, they don't know this. They used to put on these uh, events for Pride where they would do a live 48 hours, Pride 48, <laughs> of streaming gay podcasts that they would put out over the internet and people could listen to them. That's Pride 48. And then it went from that one weekend into like, hey, we should all you know meet up in Vegas and do a weekend there too. And it started with that. And then it became where there's this loose collection of shows who do that. But they're not, there's no one's like, no one's like, like this is a Pride 48 show. So... I think you should get involved. I think it'd be good. Maybe I'll think about it. I'll look into it. Yeah. So before we go though, I have to, I feel like it's only right to like get your opinions on see the season of RuPaul's Drag Race coming up. Since yeah. like the recap, hello. Why mm -hmm. so the new girls coming up. You've seen the list of people who come up, right? So I'm very lucky. I don't I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but somebody I know is dating someone who I don't even want to say past or present, was involved in an element of the show that they have intimate knowledge of who the queens are on the show. So he's shared with me, I know who the queens are. Like I, I, so I knew. But they've released the queens already. For All Stars 3. Yes. You're talking about 
season. The the the, See, the and for both the season okay. before even All Stars three, I knew who all the queens were, and uh, I think a lot of people because I will say Reddit has got. I'll say this: Reddit is one thousand percent right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For the for both coming. Okay. For All Stars, they were right one hundred percent on All Stars three, and they were right one hundred percent on season ten. All my source did was just basically confirm it. And um, season 10, uh, but I don't really know anything about the T besides that, but season 10, uh, All-Stars 3, I don't, you know, with All-Stars 3, again, like I told you, I'm not necessarily a fan of drag, and so they're like, you're I'm talking to the wrong person about that, but in terms of television, I think that we'll see i'm hearing that it's good but like the queens who are in it they're not necessarily the best television <laughs> i don't think trixie's a, a, a fantastic drag queen i think she's a great personality so maybe she's good uh, i heard there's drama with ben de la Creme, and he's good uh Shang i think it's, it's one of these things where it's super obvious who the front runners are i think it's trixie ben and shangela are gonna be strong ones and there are certain people that are gonna be out early like morgan mcmichaels and kennedy davenport even though kennedy davenport can surprise you but uh, she's probably an early out. I saw Kennedy. Um, she came to Austin. Um, yeah, she's like the dancing diva of Texas. Yeah, but she she danced, but also one of her number numbers was very. She did like this um pale I think pale bell um, number, and she didn't really dance. She just tore the house down with her emotions and her her face. It was amazing. Like that bitch is super talented. So I don't know. I think yeah, she might be like the a- underdog, where you're like. You don't think she's going to win, but all of a sudden she's top three. Well, you're okay. This is where we can certainly nerd out on RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, right now we're doing a recap of All-Stars 1. We're in the middle of it. And All-Stars 1, I did not realize this until we started recapping it, is so fucking boring. <laughs> it is, which is funny because I That's when they it. have the doubles, right? The yeah. teams? That was lame. I watched it live and I remember liking it. And so I used to recommend it to people. And now I watch it and it's awful yeah it is it's i can't get through an episode each it's like it feels like homework to get through an episode and it's one of these things where i realize all the drag queens on that season are fierce drag queens pretty much all of them i can't think of any that really that are really not fierce but it was a time in the show where they were just realizing that they were a real show they're heading in. They taped it after season four. Season five hadn't aired yet. And they didn't read season five and season six. Season four. Look, I'll even go back. Season three and four, <laughs> five and six are transformative seasons for the show. Season three, it starts to realize with Raja winning. Oh, wait, this can be a couture. This could be a real show. Season four was like, oh, this could be actually good television, too. Season five brought that together. And then season six was. It, it's to me the best season they've ever had. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So that's when I got introduced to the show is halfway through season six. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. So so season all they taped all stars between season four and season five. And I think they didn't really realize what they had or what made the show good. And so the drag queens on there are fierce drag queens, but they're not necessarily good television. And the drag queens who are good television, they cut them right away. They cut Mimi on first first. And then they got rid of Tammy Brown next. And it's like, oh, and then I think Latrice goes right after that. Like, all the ones that are really good, they just got rid of them in terms of television right away. So, yes, Chad Michaels is a fierce drag performer. But in terms of television, he's really boring, you know? And so what's funny is if you go to season five, if you go to season six, season six is a perfect example. 
I actually do not like Adore Delano's drag. I don't. But she is captivating television. Like, watching her as, uh, as you know, sort of the narrator of season six, you're like, she's so good. She's such good television. And I think they've focused on that since then. In season seven, you have – it seems like every season since five or so, you have the person who's the narrator. So season six has Adore. Season seven has Katya. Season eight has Bob. Season nine has um, – I think Valentina was part of it, but also... She um, was, like, part of it later. Yeah, she, but she was sort of the narrator. She was doing a lot of the, the good talking head stuff. But I feel there was, like... that. And season 9 actually had a lot of good talking heads, actually. But um, you have someone there who tells a story they make... Well, look, here's what I'll say about Valentina. I could talk a whole other show <laughs> about Valentina. No, please, give me your thoughts on her. But Valentina is fascinating television. Whatever you think of her. When you and I first talked to you, you and and Anthony were huge Valentina fans. Are you guys still huge Valentina fans with all the messiness that's come out? Um, I don't know, like, all the details about what goes on behind the scenes. I do know that I have heard – well, I've heard that she's a bit of a diva and a bit – a little bit immature. I'm going to put it on her immaturity because she's a young queen. But I haven't heard great things on her behind stage. And I've seen her perform on YouTube, never live. Um, and that, to me, it isn't very interesting. Um, so I think the only thing that she brings that I love is is her looks and the good TV. So everything, the actual like core of being a drag queen, doesn't interest me to from for me to her to, of her, you know. But I don't I don't know all the things that you probably know. Well, one of the things you know what's fascinating, and we can have this conversation is in terms of Valentina as in sort of just. A race thing it's it's actually something that i've gotten in fights about on sirius xm radio i've gotten in fights about it on my own show is because non-mexicans don't understand how important i think valentina and her aesthetic was to the show because what they do the mistake that they make is lump latino culture into one homogenous culture yeah not realizing that cubans and puerto ricans have a very very different culture from Mexican culture, part one. Part two, because most of Latin media is made in Mexico, that culture of Mexico is pervasive in South America as well. So that's why you had such a huge reaction to Valentina because up until Valentina, you had only seen either a Mexican-American aesthetic, which is different. Yeah. That's a door, you know? Um, a Puerto Rican one. A Puerto Rican one for sure. And that's all the other ones that came before her, Yara Sofia and Alexis Mateo and uh, any uh, Carmen Carrera. They, it was a very, very strong Puerto Rican aesthetic. But you'd never seen a Mexican one. And I think... That's why the fans went crazy because she had a fierce Mexican aesthetic and she was proud of her Mexican heritage and she considers herself very Mexican. It's very steeped in Mexican culture. Like, bitch, I didn't even get half the shit that she was doing. Like, it'll be like, she wore a snake because Maria Feliz wore a snake in some pr- a premiere she went to in the 50s. And you're like, wow, it's deep 
dive there. But that's what they were. Oh, my God. We're finally seeing ourselves on this show. But and I think this is where Valentina's youth comes in is with great. I, I'm going to avoid saying the phrase when you get that kind of fame. There's a, a responsibility that comes with it to behave a certain way. And so what you do is then you sour other people on when you act like a total bitch because of whatever issues you have, then it sours people. Like, look, I went back and forth with Valentina like I was a big Valentina fan. Then I went to DragCon and she was doing some messy ass shit. And then I put a positive spin on it because I wanted to like Valentina. But now I'm like, no, she's just a fucking dumb, mean bitch, you know? Yeah. And so I think I don't think she's a good person. I uh, And it makes me sad because I think what she represents, I think, is really important to Mexican gay boys and girls. And that's and the problem that the and also what I feel sorry for Valentina on is she's trading on the currency of beauty and youth and that shit fades, <laughs> right? It does. So, at a certain point and it's and it has a really fucking short shelf life with Drag Race man. I don't know what she's doing because Let's even talk now about the other drag queens and we'll bring it back to Valentina is drag race is so popular, but the audience is getting younger and younger and their attention span is getting shorter and shorter. Bianca Del Rio, who is the most popular drag queen in the history of the fucking show. She wrote it out for a long ass time. Okay. But even now I've noticed she's playing smaller venues She's not selling out the way she, she's having. She was, you know, for a while she was selling out theaters. Now she's back down to the club. She's selling them out. Now she's doing a few uh, Battle of the Seasons here and there when Michelle can't make it. And you're like, ooh, that is not. Like, you have three years, three seasons. And I think that's going to keep shortening and shortening and shortening. Because I have a prediction VH1 is going to want two cycles a year. It may not be this year, but we're going to start seeing a fall season and a spring season. Okay. And VH1 will pay the fucking money for it. So as the drag queens get cycled through more and more, their shelf life is shorter and shorter. So like Valentina's reign is, I think, short-lived. And I almost think season nine, because the way they're operating, are almost suffocating her faster. Because season nine is an unusual season postseason in that – Every other season beyond before season nine, the girls just dispersed and did their own thing. Season nine, with the exception of Valentina, has stuck together. They tour together. They just started a new tour, the Christmas Queens tour, whatever, the Christmas ball or whatever. And it's all the season nine queens. It's Eureka. It's Shay. It's Sasha. It's Aja. It's Pheromone. It's Alexis Mich It's Trinity Taylor. They've all, they're all touring together as season nine. Who's not there? Valentina. So they're even suffocating her on gigs. And <laughs> is, is, do you think that's not her own doing? I no, think, I think it's 100%. Yeah, because I feel like she is that diva that doesn't want to share the attention with any of these other queens that she, like, I feel like she might have thought that she deserved a crown, like that was her hers to have, you know? And that she might, I feel like what I get from it as well is like she might be too good for the show now or for the, for the cast that, that she, she was with. she feels this way or that she really is? Either. Because I feel like that's how, okay, I feel like that's how she might 
feel. Whether she is or not, I don't know because I don't know her personally. I don't know personally either. Because uh, she, she does have that air about her. Like, it's all about her and, you know, based and also taking in, into account the things that have been said, that to me says, oh, I'm I'm too good. For her, for someone to have that diva mentality, there is a sense of, like, narcissism and that, like, I'm better than you kind of thinking. Which is fine. You know, you can have that at a certain, at a certain point as long as you behave. But you can have that, but you better fucking deliver, you know? I haven't seen anything in her performances where she really delivers. No, she that. doesn't. It's fine. Don't get me wrong. Do you think then that's why she's on the tour because she can't? They don't want her on no, it. No, no, no. I think she's not on the tour because she. They don't. I think they don't want her, and she don't think she wants to be a part of it. I don't think there's any love loss there. Uh, I think. Sure. I think probably her quote's too high. I think, but again, like, but you know, as much as I say this, and I think Bob's commented on this too, is say what you say about Valentina, but all the drag queens when they do an interview. Asked about Valentina, <laughs> so I can say you know no, but you have some great insight because I never thought about that, like the shelf life being shorter. Because you're right that the um, the audience is getting younger. You see it with like the New York Drag Con where there's featuring like eight year olds in drag, and a lot of the kids that are showing up there are on the floor. Like you see that, and I didn't even think about that. I was like, wow, that is a really good insight, you know. Well, you know, uh, Sharon Needles, winner of season four, was just on. Uh, Sirius XM Radio Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105 101 with Larry Flick and she was telling the host Larry Flick that she wants there to be a, an all winter season because she needs the fucking dough she needs the exposure yeah you know a lot of those early queens like season 4 they can't get arrested you know season 3 too here's the thing too is because and maybe VH1 will change if VH1 changes this it will change a lot of the lives of these drag queens but because of the licensing of the music they've taken all the show you can't get the show on Hulu you can't get the show on Amazon you can buy them on iTunes you can buy them on Amazon but they don't stream them anymore on any of these streaming services because of the licensing in particular season 4 season 4 you can't even buy you can actually, I think you can buy it on Google Play, but on Amazon and iTunes, you cannot even buy it because if you look at the songs that they use, they went all out on the licenses for the music, but they didn't think people would want to watch it. They didn't, they, that wasn't even a thing then, one, and two, would people really want to watch streaming <laughs> this, you know? And so the songs from season four are like, you're like, oh shit, they paid a lot of money for these fucking shit songs. And so now you can't even buy it because I think the licensing is too expensive. If VH1 coughs up the dough and puts it out there, it could only help them. It only helps the show to promote it and pays for that licensing for the streaming. Then I think you'll see a revival of at least a lot of the five, six, and seven queens and, and whatnot. I still, I'll have to go back and watch season three. I haven't watched it in a long time, but... So how much does the rate drop? Like, how, do you have insight on how much the rate rises and how much it drops back to whenever these queens get on and off the show? Well, I think, one, it depends on how early you go. But, you know, here, but there's good news with that. So there's weird, it's, it's, I think it's a weird business that we don't know. I think in the old days, if you were like, even as early as season seven, if you were like Tempest du Jour and you went home first, you weren't going to see that much financial benefit. But now, going home first is still okay. I'm sure James Mansfield's calendar got booked way out in advance because he was on Drag Race, you know, and people still talk about James Mansfield, and I think it only helped James Mansfield. 
You know what's so funny is on season six, there's a huge – season six is a weird season because, one, Milk is criticized for stuff that they do later in the show. Milk is so, yeah, you know, such ahead of the curve on season six. But all, not only that, but, like, uh, the second queen to go home on episode two is Magnolia Crawford. And they come down on her because I'm untucked. She essentially says, I'm only on here for the exposure. And they're all, like, clutching their pearls and like, <gasps> right but that's the show that made it about the exposure yeah and at that time people still wanted to win i don't think people give a shit about winning now you know people are like oh shay was robbed i don't think shay maybe she's an ego part of her it's hurt but like if you just make it to the top four you're good if you make it even like i mean look valentina she's doing fine or like even like aja aja went home halfway through Ferris, like they're all working and even the ones who went home kind of early you know um, so even the ones who go home early see a benefit, but the bad side is the flip side is it's not lasting as long as it used to. It's not like, I think, I think Bianca got a good run. Bianca's still doing well. Don't get me wrong, but we're even seeing Bianca slip like Adore's album bombed. Who, I mean, who, I mean, is she on her second album? What? I mean, album? Whatever album that just came out, bomb. I don't really follow the Adore Delano music career, but like apart from Trixie and Katya, what is anybody doing? I don't. I don't know. Touring. Yeah, I think they're still making money touring, but hitting they're still the clubs, they're like, still hitting the clubs, and mm-hmm. they're they're making good money. Dude, they're making a living. They're making more money than they ever did. But but that also has to save your money. But also, if you if you notice that the people who are actually doing things outside of just touring, they they, they were naturally creative. Like Adore, she was a singer. So her the only her only outlet wasn't Drag Race, wasn't being a drag queen. And then there's Bianca. She was a comedian. And then there, and then so you're seeing these drag queens follow their actual passion, but they're using drag as a catalyst to get there. So I, a lot of these queens may not be created. The only their only created outfit might be drag. So that's why you probably don't see them do other things outside of the club and the and the drag. And you don't see them uh, online a lot because that's not what they're there for. Well, I mean, look, Bianca Del Rio was a mediocre comedian who. Because she does it in drag and she's gay and she was on Drag Race, makes her a better comedian. But she's actually not. She's okay. She's fine. Like she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. But she's not. The the. But the quality of the work is the, not what I'm referring to. It's no, like no, the know, fact but, that she's creative and but, she had other outlets she yeah, was yeah, kind of yeah, working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what on. I'm saying, though, I'm, I'm inching back to Adore again. Going back, Adore has confided in people, people that I know, but she hates drag. She doesn't want to do drag. Yeah, I think she said it in an interview. She doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah, but and she wants to. She was trying to do a transition. Maybe she will to Danny Noriega. She wants to be Danny Noriega. She doesn't want to be. A yeah, Delano. that's always been her end goal. Yeah, and she doesn't want to do drag anymore. And 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 actually, a lot of these queens are confessing to people that they don't want to do drag because at a certain point, but a certain point, you just age out of it. Like yeah. at a certain point, you don't. I think that's scary to people. I don't think they want to be. Chad it's become Michaels. a job now for them. So yeah. it's their. It pays their bills. Well, I think I think a lot of the ones who are more successful are better at something else than they are drag. Like who's the really famous queen who's just a really fierce drag queen? The only person I could maybe think of is Violet, Violet Chachki, right? And she's doing what she loves and she loves it. But and Miss Fame, you know. But like Trixie, she wants to be a comedian and a singer. She doesn't want to be in drag. Katya, she wants to be like some sort of personality or, or comedian. She doesn't want to be in drag. Bob, I think, would, would rather be a comedian. Bianca would rather just be a straight-up comedian. 
you know, I think, I think Alaska likes it. I know Alaska likes yeah, it. I could see. Yeah, I see that. But because while Alaska is a whole different situation, <laughs> Alaska, it's the way that she, I think she's a very closed off person. I'll say Cuckoo. I feel like she actually still has that too. Yeah, I think Cynthia Lee Fontaine wants to do it too. But you know, with Alaska is she's a very closed off person and that's the way she can open up is through the character of Alaska. So I think she needs it. But um uh, but, but yeah, the, the lifespan is getting shorter and sh- it's getting more lucrative, but it's getting shorter and shorter for these drag queens. And unless you get on all stars, this is going to now here, it's going to transform people. Morgan McMichael's quote is going to go up. Uh, Shangela and Trixie. And I feel like, but it might help Kennedy. Kennedy wants to leave drag. Ben, it'll help a lot of them. So those queens, it'll be good for them. So. Well, maybe it's time for them to like move over, so that way, like the new crop can come in, and they don't, and it won't feel so crowded, and you won't have that like, oh, it's all in my face all the time, you know? Oh, I have a different opinion. I think, I think it's dumb that World of Wonder doesn't do more with these queens. Like, how are you having? Like, why does All Stars have to have a whole bunch of new contestants? Well, that's that's well, that's you're you're maybe they don't want to work with World of Wonder. Maybe they Ooh. they are are not working with them by choice. Like some of the queens that you say that you don't see them often. Maybe they don't want to like be committed to them. I can't. Maybe after maybe after the show, they're like, uh, I don't like the way. The you only guys exception work. I would think of would maybe be Willem. Jasmine. <laughs> I don't, I didn't even think Jasmine would work with them. I think Willem. Even but even Willem has said he would work with World of Wonder again. If they ask. They just keep fucking him over. But no, I think World of Wonder should have some sort of show. Like again, like I was, I was making the point. Like, why does All Stars have to have a whole bunch of new queens? Why can't you just keep, just keep doing All Stars with the same people and just move the the winner leaves and you bring <laughs> in a new person or you switch out people who are boring? But um, Latrice Royale is a perfect example. I would love to see her again on TV. Yeah, if you think about it, her career on on Drag Race is over. She did season four, and then almost immediately after, literally immediately after, she did All Stars. And she's never been on again. And that doesn't. She's an amazing television personality. It, they're losing out on that. And she's losing out on all the money she could make by being. Well, isn't she like selling out arenas she, no, she, or arenas. stadiums or theaters? La, or, Latrice Royale or theaters or something. She sells out clubs. Okay, but I don't think she's out of theater. But Bianca Del Rio wasn't like that for a while. But Latrice, like, how are you not using Latrice? Yeah. How are you not? using like again say what you will i don't know what your opinion is on fifi o'hara she's amazing television she's phenomenal television Alyssa edwards is amazing television now they're making a show with Alyssa edwards about her beyond belief studio so maybe that they're using her but like how are you not utilizing these personalities that you've cultivated it takes so hard to find the star but like they could probably even get a door you know a door i think a door didn't want to be in a competition I think she's done with the competition. It makes sense now rewatching season six because she was just shitty at the competition. <laughs> so she just wasn't. I mean, she barely made it. I don't. I don't even know how she made it as it was. There was an episode where I'm like, well, she should have gone home. Like, if you're looking at it objectively, a door should have gone home, but they sent whoever else home, and I can't remember who it was. But um, and so I think that's why she left All Stars. She was like, oh, I'm bad at this. Why am I here? And I'm, be- I'm more famous than, the, than this, and I'm bad at the show. Um, goodbye. But but do something with the Dora Delano. She's amazing television. 
they're doing something with Katya, but you know. So. Well, maybe they get to act together. Sounds like you found your job in LA, running World of Wonder. Oh no, they would never have me. No, they're already doing their thing. No, 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 no. I no, I would be like, no. Why are you doing that? World also, World of Wonder is notoriously awful to work for. Are they really? I've met people. They're horrible. Like there's a high turnover. And that's rate. there's my point. Like maybe they don't want to work with awful people. That's why they some of the queens don't want to work with them. But then they said they they do because of the money. But oh well, I don't think the the world of, well, I don't think the world of wonder people are awful towards the queens. Oh okay. I think it's awful to work for. <laughs> and they don't pay very well. They fire people because they like it's. You hear all these crazy stories about world of wonder. Oh, that sucks. I would never want to work there. It sounds horrible. Oh, okay. Maybe you can just start your own and get these queens and do some. No, they, no, I've said it before. Actually, I don't really like drag. Yeah, you said it on here right now. Yeah, I don't like drag. I feel bad for telling you, oh, I love drag. I want to go to a drag show. <laughs> I find drag shows boring. I love them. Oh, really? Yeah. I get, I, like, I'm super into it for, oh, like, I'll, five minutes, yeah. and then I, I'm bored. They can be boring. It's just, like, if you have the right people that are on the show, then it's great. But if you, but I get bored a lot as well because a lot of people who do drag uh, in my areas, like, they aren't very entertaining. They don't know how to hold your attention. Well, yeah, a lot of them are just walking around collecting dollar bills. That's exactly what they're doing. And and sometimes they don't even know the words. They're just picking up money. Yeah, one of the, you know, when I saw Alaska get crowned at Precinct, one of the things I thought was really interesting was she didn't collect money. She handed out roses uh, to celebrate her victory. So it was the first of all, oh, a queen's giving something out. She's not taking dollars. Mm-hmm. So... I think Alaska is an interesting queen too. She is. She's good TV. She's. I don't really. I don't know her in person, but just based on some things, like I was like, I've, I love to watch her, but I just I hate loving to watch her. If that makes any sense. Why? I don't know. Just something about her that rubs me the wrong way. Um, do I respect her craft? Yes, but would I res- would I like the actual person? I don't know. Probably not. You know. Oh really? I feel the opposite. I actually think. I would really like her as a person. I I think what I know from people who are kind of around her is that she's very difficult to get close to. And she's tough to get to know. And she's very, very closed off and very, very guarded. I think that would be a tough nut to crack. But, and I think it would be tough to have a real conversation. I think she hides, as much as Alaska is her way of communicating with the world, she also, I think, hides behind that character. And I think she'd have a lot of interesting thoughts, but I think it's hard to get those thoughts out of Alaska because she's so closed off and she's so guarded. Have you guys tried to get her on the show? No. You know what's so funny is there was a time, and we did it last season, where we we were super into the idea of getting a, a drag queen on the show. We got Eureka on the show. And we interviewed her. But after I asked all my Eureka questions, one, we didn't see a big pushing numbers on the show from Eureka being on the show and that's she's been on the series and it's a pain in the ass and I realize like this is actually not I'm not throwing shade at Grizzly Grizzly Kiki but I'm gonna throw shade at Grizzly Kiki (laughs) is I actually think that they have really good insight because they are drag queens who host that show but the problem is they know a lot of these queens and one if you ever listen they're extremely partial to New York queens so New York queens can do no wrong because they're from New York and two, um, because they're in the drag world, they're afraid to say anything negative about drag queens. Mm. So I think once we got our jollies off on Eureka, um, I realized, mm, I think I'd rather keep almost a journalistic distance between them. 
Uh, I'll, now that be, that said, you might hear me interviewing them because interviewing them gets me access to other things sometimes for the public. The publicist wants us to do things, but um, uh, other than that, though, I, I really have no interest. I'd rather be able to talk shit. On, I want to be able, like, for instance, I used to talk so much mad shit on Eureka and make <laughs> fun of her on the show, and now she's a lovely person. She was so nice. And so giving of her time. She was only supposed to do 20 minutes. She did the whole hour with us. And she answered all the questions. And she was so charming and so wonderful. I don't know if, it'd be, if I'll be able to say anything negative about her in season 10. Hmm. You know? We'll see. I'm sure I'll get over it. I'm sure you'll get over it too. But, <laughs> but I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be like... You know, going back to what I was saying earlier in that I have friends who do amazing things. I have friends who work in the film industry. And... It's so easy to shit talk a film, but one, seeing all the work that my friends put into their films and seeing how many things are out of their control that we would judge in a film, but like I said, how much hard work, and also just beyond whatever movie. I don't care what movie it is. I don't care what television show it is. If you knew how hard it is to even get that shit made, now, I'm not talking about actually physically making it. I'm talking about I have this idea. I take it to this person. This person likes it. That, that, that's already a huge step. Then they take it to their bosses and they like it. And then people put their feedback. And then it's going to get in the series and the people like it. And then blah, blah, blah. Just to get a show, a television show on the air is like winning the lottery a thousand times every week. Okay? Like you just keep hitting the numbers. And... So you have to almost kind of give them credit just to get, even though I don't care how, I don't care if it's the Big Bang Theory. The no, Big Bang Theory is a perfect example. I like the Big what Bang Theory. What a shit show. No, I, it's a horrible <laughs> show, this Big Bang Theory. I like it. It's terrible. But no, it's good. Good for you, right? But the, my parents like it. But the point is that if you knew all this stuff just to get the Big Bang Theory and then it's a hit show, oh my God, that is like the craziest thing. To get a major feature film made, I've seen, I have friends who are successful in the business and still only... 20% of the movies that they work on get actually put out in the theater, right? So if you knew just that, you'd have so much more respect for the business. And then when you know them and you know how much work they put in, I have a friend who made a movie and I know how much work he put into it. And it, the, the, there's many problems with the movie, none of them his fault, but he gets the blame because he was a director. And... I'm constantly going on Reddit whenever people shit talk this movie and defending him. Not defending the movie, but defending him. And because I know on his end everything that happened and how shitty the studio was. And the point I'm trying to make is so when you get entrenched in that world and they're your friends, you can't shit talk them anymore because you know them. And you're like, oh, that's a real person. I don't think that's I, I think that's fair, but I don't think you should shit talk them. Like you said, you understand where where things went wrong. So you should shit talk the, the things, the people that made it go wrong. Not so much the director because you know it wasn't his fault. It's very much the problem that um, like the, the new Star Wars game had is that a lot of people were giving the developers shit um, online and death threats and all this bullshit, but they had nothing to do with the, the decisions that the um, production company made that went into the game. They only did what they had to do. Yeah. And so it's like 
maybe a lot we don't know it the people who are should talk to them don't know it. it's people like you who should go and say and should defend the person that made the movie said hey it's not their fault it's this fault that should talk these people and put it aim it to the right direction and not should talk the person because you could still should talk the movie if it was bad it was bad yeah. just aim it in the right direction you know but you know but but the original point was about rupaul's drag race is i want rupaul's drag race recap to be a show that feels like the kind of conversation you would have with your friend if you were watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And if we start to get to know the queens and get intimate with World of Wonder and, and get intimate with the people behind it, then what happens is that you can't anymore. You're like, oh, am I going to lose my tickets to DragCon or am I going to not get the free tickets to the finale? Like, we're going to go to the finale this year and I'm thinking about just the show has money just buying the fucking tickets yeah. one we don't have to fucking ask permission for anybody and two we'll just show up and sit in the fucking best seats that we fucking paid 200 dollars for and that'll be our, our present for finishing the season is going to the finale right and not have to worry about the free tickets and all the fucking bullshit and dicks you have to suck just to get the free tickets <laughs> and, and they treat you like shit and they treat you like cattle and and then you, 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 like, I feel badly that, you know, these people send us the, look, even with the Trixie and Katya show, they sent us the first three episodes, like, in September. Like, they sent them to us a long time ago. And we had them early, early access to these three episodes. And then I went, Taylor and I went out there and talked about what a shit piece of show it is. Wait, a, what a piece of shit show it is. And so, I But you're also badly. putting your reputation on the line as well by giving this input, you know? So it's like no, no. It's I like realize a, it's the business, but if you feel badly, and there is they they know what they're doing. They know by giving you all these things that they're there to buying you. So that's why I'd rather keep. So look, today actually, um, friend of the show, uh, Jay Ellis, messaged me and said, asked me if I was going to go to Trixie and World of Wonder to put on an event for Trixie and Katya on Tuesday, and asked if I was going to go. And I said no, and he goes, well, he goes, do you think Larry could get you in? And I go, yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to go. Like, you're probably thinking, like, oh my god, I want to go, right? Like, no, I, I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. I don't want to know Trixie. I don't want to know Katya. I'd rather go on the show and say you made a horrible show. <laughs> it's awful. It's not funny. And here's why it's not funny. And then, and then I have to think, like, look, I, for no, for there's not one second where I don't think that Trixie and Katya listen to our show. I do not think. Trixie and Katya listen to our show, okay? And I like it that way. I don't want any of the drag queens to listen to our show. I don't want any of these people to listen to our show. I want Judy Johnson in Dakota, uh, Indiana. I don't know if it's a real place or a real person. I want her to listen to our show. Not because I'm trying to be like, oh, whatever. It's just I I don't want to be self-conscious about the show. It, you and I were talking before we were recording about my problems with the Trixie and Katya show and how they became aware of themselves because of the success of the show. I don't want that to happen to Drag Race Recap where I'm going like, oh, Shea Coulee's listening. <laughs> you know, I got, oh my God. I Like, look, there is a fan of the show who loves our show who is, uh, I don't want to see if his connection, I know he's private about it, but he's uh, friends with... Not RuPaul, but very, 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 very close to RuPaul. Very close. Okay? And according to the, according to this fan, who's a friend of this person close to RuPaul, RuPaul, I don't know if 
RuPaul, but definitely the universe around RuPaul knows about Drag Race Recap. Now, I don't know to what extent they know about Drag Race Recap, you know? That maybe they just know it. Like, look, here's the deal. You put, go on iTunes. They have to know it exists because if you go on iTunes and type in RuPaul or type in RuPaul's Drag Race or type in Drag Race, our show, there's like, what's the tea with RuPaul is one. And then we're in the top two or three after her. So it depends on what, what's going on. And that, by the way, there are shows that blow us out of the water on numbers because they have the marketing. So like BuzzFeed has a show now and they have bigger numbers than we do. Uh, after Buzz TV uh, has a bigger show than we do on YouTube. Uh, I think the wrap-up is bigger. The, the Rob has a podcast because they have a whole network and it's very successful. But for an organic show that has no network attached to it, our show is very big. And I want to keep it that way. I don't want it to be attached. I don't want it to think who's listening and who's not listening or that RuPaul's offended or RuPaul's not offended. Or I just want to go on there and make fun of this show. Not, I, I don't want to say make fun of it. Like, look, we, we give kudos where we give <laughs> kudos. But I want to be able to talk about what I feel about the show and never think about it. And by the way, look. I, I see The show makes money. From. Yeah. And the show is successful. And I'm happy for that. And I, I want to grow it. But I want to grow it on my terms, not because VH1 helped I could see where you come from. I don't have that dilemma. Like if I were to meet the queens or interview them, I wouldn't have an issue that you have. I can speak about the craft and hope that they don't take it personally. I'm not attacking the person. But that's on them to realize that it isn't personal. It's just a, a critique on the craft, right? And that's something I deal with an artist as well. I have to realize some things that I make isn't isn't personal that someone didn't like my art or my photography or they told me this, this, and that. It isn't personal. It's They're just telling me their opinion on the work. And I might take it personal because the work might mean something to me that's personal, but that's on me. And that's on me to be an adult and say that's not, they're not attacking me even though it might feel that way. So that that's where I would not have an issue with it. And it, it's on them to realize that, hey, it's I'm only doing um, my job, in air quotes, um, and it's nothing personal, you know? Well, I think the difference, though, is you've said already you like drag. I don't care about drag. <laughs> the, you know what I want? I would want to talk to them about the television side of it, and they've signed NDAs, and they can't talk about it. So they have nothing to say to me. Look, I've interviewed them. I've interviewed you know, How was that? The carpet. It's boring. <laughs> it's boring. It's it's like it's this. Look, first of all, if you're not doing television, there you're kind of put off to the side like fucking trash. Okay, and then some of them wander over to you. Okay, and they're very nice, but like you have a minute with them. They tell you, you have like a, maybe a minute or two minutes. And if you go over there, they start giving you like mean, dirty looks. Not the queens, the people who are running the show. And what are you going to ask? What are you going to ask them? What I realized, even because I'll go there preparing questions, I'm like, I have nothing to ask these people. I have nothing to ask them. I ask them something stupid, bring their personality out, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather just talk about the show. Oh, okay. I was only doing it, I did it. Look, I've been, to I applied for a DragCon media pass. You, you get better interviews at DragCon. You can get more time with them at DragCon. It's not so. It's not so hard. But um, uh, even then, wh wh what can you talk about with them? It's. it's I, I would find it easy. I imagine. Well, I don't like. Yeah. Uh, because I'm also like well, interested like, in drag, like but, you said. You but know? like I said, when, when I was at DragCon, there's a press room, 
And so what I would do this year is I would just go to the press room, camp out, and just get whatever drag queen I could get and see if I can get him for, you know, because you can get more time with him. You get maybe five minutes with them in the room. You can go on the floor and interview them, but it's like, it's almost like a red carpet. You get like, they'll stop the line for you and they'll interview you. You'll let, they'll let you interview them, but then you have those five minutes and that's it. You know? I mean, not five minutes, you have like a minute. Because they're stopping, they're literally, people are in line and you're stopping the line to talk to you. It's like, like, stop. And then you talk to them like a minute, 30 <laughs> seconds, you know. And, but in the, there's a press room and they come through, but it's, everyone's trying to get them depending on who the queen is. I was lucky I got Sasha for like five minutes or something. They're 10 minutes. And then same thing with Eureka. But um, now I know how to work. Last year was my first year at DragCon. Now I know how to work it more. I would just say in the press room, I would get people right away and I would um, make it happen. So aren't you starving? Yeah, but I'm also enjoying the conversation. We can end it now. We're on. Oh, we're over two hours. Were you, were you shooting for two hours? What were you shooting for? Nothing. Just whatever came in organically. How many interviews have you done so far? In LA? And, and well, since you started your trip. Um, you're my second. Who was the first? Fabian. Who's Fabian? He's a photographer from San Francisco. How long did that interview go? Um, hour and a half, but we got tired, so I, I cut it off early. Oh, so you're used to doing long interviews. Oh, yeah, I don't care. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, my job isn't to like fit everything in an hour. Who's I don't listen to the, where is this going? I already told you on iTunes and my website. But under what show? Stir on the Road. Oh, is it going to be a new show you have called Stir on the Road? No, that's the first show. That's the original show where I speak to artists oh. of all different mediums to get to know them and their work. It's, it's more of a, these casual conversations that like, say you have a favorite person in San Francisco. I was like, oh, let me, and I, you'll get to know them better. By listening to, to my interview with them. It's real casual. Like, you know, it's casual. We talk about whatever. And, you know, we talk about their love life, their art, their tragedies, whatever comes up, you know. And sometimes it's easy to have a conversation. Like, you are easy to have a conversation because you know how to work the, the mic. And sometimes it's harder. So, depending on the person. Who was the hardest? I wouldn't say it was so much hard. It was just like, uh, it was just because... It's like they came from a different background and we were different ages and it was like the only thing we could relate to was the actual work and it it really didn't go into anything deeper and you could tell that they were kind of like keeping you at like face value like it was very like what they were giving me they didn't want to give me deep things and I was like oh and I felt it out so I was like okay cool we're gonna keep this very like very um like I would imagine like what you get from the queens on the floor very simple pg and there's nothing really deep about the conversations so i so that one was like really short so they the shortest one's like around 30 minutes and then some of them go to this long usually they they're around like the hour and a half mark what's the longest one you've done probably this one. Oh, really or maybe i think the, uh i've done another one probably close to two i don't know it just depends i think it's two i haven't don't really remember hmm. yeah i think you might have actually broke the record barely wow yeah and we probably could keep going on for like another two hours. <laughs> I can talk. I know. That's why I listen to you because you're interesting to listen to. Thank you. Yeah. Let's go, go ahead and wrap it up because um, I think it's getting late and I'm getting, getting hungry. All right. Sounds good. All right. Catch y'all later.